0: And a welcome to of Kumar Takes. This is our 240th take, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studio of Azel, Texas. I'm your host, Barry DuPlessis, as always, and I'm so proud, so pleased, and so privileged to be with you all tonight. It's going to be a fantastic show. We're welcoming back one of my favorite guests. We're going to have a fantastic warm beverage and a wonderful cigar, some great conversation, and catch up on the latest and greatest from Uh, one of our former guests that's made a change. So we'll get to that in just a second, and we'll introduce our guest of honor in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. But we do have to thank the people that make this show possible. And that, of course, is our sponsors. And tonight's show is sponsored by Drew Estate. Once again, Drew Estate has done it again when it comes to the swag bag. The new Black & Cigars m 81 by Drew Estate swag campaign, the return of the Phineas Gage, and the debut of the Deadwood Coffin Humidor. These are all fantastic things you want to get your hands on. Uh, back on January 11th, the Freestyle Live broadcast uh, announced the swag campaign for the featuring the Black and m 81 cigar that debuted last late last year. The first Black & Cigars m 81 by Drew Estate the swag includes uh, Black & Bottle. Uh, A guitar-shaped black and ash tray to honor Metallica co-founder, singer-guitarist, and black and partner James Hetfield, black and single flame lighter, and black and cigar stand. The black and swag will be available at all Drew Diplomat retailer events that are featuring the black and cigars M81 by Drew Estate. So you definitely want to check those out. Put those on your calendar because you're going to get some great cigars, of course, but you're also going to get some great swag as well. Uh, The Phineas Gage uh, from the Liga Provada H99 returns to the market, so make sure you get some of those while they're out there, we were just talking about Lanceros before the show started. So you definitely want to grab one of those. If you're available. And then the new wonderful deadwood tobacco company, coffee coffin humidors. is checking them out all available at your diplomat retailer. So get those stuff, get those events on your calendars. You don't want to miss. It. It's going to be fantastic. And, uh, Load up on some great Drew Estate cigars and swag at your next Drew State event. And welcome, everybody. This is our 240th take. So it's my pleasure to introduce tonight's guest, sponsored by United Cigars. Smoke one today and start living united, Miss Laurel Tilly of AJ
1: Fernandez Cigars. Laurel, how are you doing? I'm well, Bear. How are you? Oh,
0: I lost your audio. can you hear me laurel
1: i can hear you now
0: okay sorry about that yeah of course. that's like, quite all right first five seconds so let's try that again how are you doing laurel
1: i'm great how are you
0: bear i'm doing fantastic my microphone's working now um, we have only been
1: talking for 40 minutes and now i besides, yeah no, no that's that's
0: that's totally uh that's totally par for the course no um so it's so good to have you back so good to have you back thank you so much thank for you. joining me tonight um something a little new and strange um, normally we say Laurel Tilly of another company, but I, I introduced you as Laurel Tilly of AJ Fernandez cigars. So, uh, a m- big new change of where I know we're going to get into tonight, but that's, uh, that's exciting.
1: Yeah, it is exciting. And, you know, it's still, it's still so fresh. Like, you know, I have to get used to hearing it. So, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm just waiting for myself to slip up or someone else to slip up at some point, but yeah, I
0: was going to say that's cool. It's going to happen. So, uh, um, but no, that's it's it's so great to welcome you tonight. I know we're I'm, we're going to talk about, you know, obviously about that change and some stuff. But first, I, I thought we would uh, toast virtually uh, with our uh, with our tea. Uh,
1: yes, absolutely.
0: Laurel is our, our is our resident tea expert, and I enjoy tea. I enjoy coffee. Everyone knows I drink coffee, but I also love tea as well. So, uh, cheers! That's a wonderful cup, though. It's very very. That's a very proper tea.
1: Thank you. This is based. also my my Sunday tea cup. I have my Sunday teapot and my Sunday teacups that I only use day a week. So they're my fancy relaxation ones i don't know and also i know nothing about tea i just like it like wine i love wine i know nothing about it
0: (laughs) how how long have you had that tea set have you has has it been your sunday tea set for a while
1: no so i actually got this tea set as here i'll show you it's a nice little koi cast iron um like traditional japanese tea set i got it from my parents for christmas when i was like 19 or 20. And at the time I didn't drink tea. And I was like, I mean, this is really nice, but what am I going to do with this? And I just, (laughs) I had it for probably, I mean, I didn't start drinking tea until I was like 24, 25. So it probably sat in my, in my cupboard for five to six years before even revisiting it. And then I, I kind of had it just intermittently. And as I dove deeper into the tea world, it just sort of happened that way. It's kind of a pain in the ass. Cause like it requires a little bit more work than my just everyday stovetop one. And it just, I never set out to designate it as a Sunday tea set. It just kind of happened that way.
0: It, the reason it's funny that it, it, I was asking about this is cause it's funny. And, uh, another change, uh, another cha- recent change for you, not as recent as the change to AJ Fernandez cigars, but, uh, you're, uh, recently become a Southerner.
1: Yes, so. yes, I have. Um, my husband and I moved down to Nashville from Milwaukee, last September. So it's been just a little over a year.
0: Yeah. I I the reason I was asking is like that it, it's funny you mentioned that it was an Asian influence because I thought it had this very it had this very southern vibe to it. Like, oh it's my son my Sunday tea set and everything. So I thought that oh, I thought that no. you just guy would I was like welcome to the South <laughs> by yourself no,
1: Sunday I've had, tea it set. For, I've had it forever. It's been in like five different apartments of mine. So you know it's it's really it's gone through a lot with me. But uh yeah it's great.
0: So I'm sporting a uh a less beautiful but equally entertaining uh, mug that uh, my wife got for me. It uh, probably, you can read the description. It says, I like her butt. Nice. It's re- referring to my wife, not you. So, um, <laughs> but I, and hers says, hers, she has a pink one that says, I like his beard. Nice. Um, so it's perfect. So I, I, I thought, I was thinking about this as I was using, I was going to use this glass, the, this, uh, this mug tonight. Um, do you and your husband have matching mugs? Maybe not as obnoxious, but.
1: We do not. I mean, I have a pretty robust mug collection and I've had to, I've kind of implemented a self-imposed rule of I can't get a new one until I get rid of one because I'm sort of maxed out. I mean, it's not outrageous. It's probably 20 mugs but still, like, does anybody really need 20 mugs? That's healthy. It's a healthy amount. Yeah, yeah. and I, I really try to keep it to a healthy minimum um but he has he has one singular mug that is is his designated mug and i don't know if i'm allowed to swear on here um yeah
0: absolutely go for but
1: it. it just says i don't fucking a- care <laughs> <laughs> the mug has a rainbow on it and it says i'm a fucking delight and that's the <laughs> I've
0: seen those those that's awesome
1: so that's his mug but we don't have any ones that are matching
0: <laughs> oh that's that's killer yeah i've there's some there's some really obnoxious ones i I abstained from getting them, and and my wife also abstained from getting them for me, too, because for a while, you know, until COVID, I was working in the office, but she would get me clever ones. Um, she thought this was about as edgy as she could get. Nice. Um, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, there, there's there's some great ones out there that just have, like, the best, the best, like, phrasing and catchphrases and stuff like that that are just awesome they're they're all surrounded about, about they're typically always surrounded about the fact that if you don't get your caffeine fix like you're just you're not a fucking delight you know like, yes exactly so yes. i need to have this i need to have
1: this or the um, really kitschy ones that have the levels of like don't talk to me getting there right. almost whatever I'm like eh, that's not my jam but you know it's each their own
0: yeah i i we were talking about this before this just started like i um i have to have caffeine or else i get a headache and it's usually coffee. Um, I drink a lot of tea in the afternoon. It's very British of me, even though I'm not British. Um, and I'll usually drink tea until I'll usually drink coffee till about two and then I'll switch to tea. Okay. And then, and then just chase everything with water throughout the day. I always have to have like multiple beverages.
1: See, I have a, a water cup on deck right here. Yeah. See, I've never been a huge coffee drinker. I'll do an espresso once in a while. And I've recently started to foray into the world of like cappuccinos. Um, I really like an oatmeal cappuccino. A Dutch Brothers actually just went up by us and they do a really good oatmeal cappuccino. So that has kind of gotten me into it, but yeah, I've just never been a fan of coffee, but I drink tea pretty relentlessly.
0: I, You know what? I got to give, I got to give Dutch Brothers a reprieve or something like that. I like they, they popped up over here over again during COVID. And I hit them up a couple of times and it was just not good. But everyone swears by
1: some of their stuff is just too over the top. I think my issue that I have with them is I don't like anything that's crazy fancy or frankly has like a thousand calories in it um, and everything on their menu that's featured. It's just it's just too much going on for me. So I'll order like a standard cappuccino or a latte. They're like, oh, I don't think we can do that. I'm Like, well, what? Are you not a barista? <laughs> <laughs> like, what do you mean you can't do? So that's the only issue I have. Can I have a black <laughs>
0: coffee? No. <laughs> no, you can't.
1: I think who only started at Dutch Brothers and have learned all of, like, the fancy ones don't really know how to make just something standard. But the people who have been maybe baristas elsewhere, they're like, oh, yeah, cappuccino, that's easy. So, but as far as, like, the quality goes, I've always really enjoyed it. My husband's obsessed with the hot chocolates, which is how I started going. I'm like, okay, well, we're here. I might as well get something. <laughs>
0: He is a fucking delight, isn't he? <laughs> yes, yes. Sweetheart, the hot chocolate's bomb. You got to go over here.
1: Dude, he loves it. You know what? I will say it. I'm not, I don't hate hot chocolate, but I wouldn't consider myself like a big hot chocolate fan or connoisseur, but they do make a good hot chocolate.
0: I, I'll have to get my wife on. I'm actually allergic to cocoa. So really? uh, yeah, I don't eat chocolate. Um, I'm One of the weird ones. Um, and, uh, but my wife's my wife eats enough for the both of us. Not that. That sounds terrible every time I say it, but she, I mean, she like, as much as I can't have it, she absolutely loves it. She thinks it's the greatest thing. It's probably her favorite. Yeah. It's that safe. It's her favorite food. Really? Yeah.
1: You want to hear a really embarrassing antidote? Sure. So this is timely because we're coming up on Valentine's Day in like two days. So probably when I was like six or seven, I don't know. I mean, I remember it. So I was young, but like old enough that I had the memory of it. Um, I ate like two whole bags of the like the foil wrapped chocolate hearts right around Valentine's Day and made myself sick. And I was convinced that I was allergic to chocolate. So it was like probably... Four or five years, I didn't eat chocolate. Like kids would bring baked shit in for their birthdays. like, oh no, I can't eat that. And then one day, I think my mom probably just didn't say anything, because she's like, okay, well, it's healthier for you to not be binging chocolate. She's like, have you ever considered you just ate too much? And my life was changed, and now I'm obsessed with it again.
0: It's funny you're you're you're, uh, you're stepping on my uh, my this or that segment where I ask you about uh, which I'm one sorry. you would rather have. No, but that's funny. It's <laughs> it's funny. Eventually, it. we'll we'll come full circle on this. I it's. The, I never, I never was really, and the reason I didn't find out I was allergic to chocolate until I, I didn't really eat a lot of it when I was a kid. Like not okay. that my parents were like hardcore healthy, not even close. Like, uh, you know, they fed me pasta and like carbs all the time. and stuff like, they were just, they didn't, and processed foods, they didn't really pay attention to any of that. It wasn't, and they weren't like anti-candy. I just didn't really have it. And and so I learned a lot later in life, and and it's it's interesting. Like looking back, I can be like, yeah, that one time I had like half a box of Oreos, that was probably yeah, that. And then I didn't feel really well afterwards. Like that, yeah, that that tracks.
1: Yeah, so, so. it's not allergy like anaphylaxis or anything. It's just no, that no, no, you no. Feel yeah. unwell.
0: I mean, it's gotten progressively worse as I've gotten older, but it's nothing. It's not life threatening. I okay. mean, it might it might feel life threatening after I digest <laughs> yeah. them, but it's no, it's nothing. It's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing terrifying where I have to carry, like, an EpiPen or something like that. That's
1: good. Just an inconvenience.
0: Yeah. I will say this, like, uh it was really, we were down in Fredericksburg, Texas once, and they have, like, a like lo- small-town USAs, they have those main street shops, you know, some, you know, antiques, and there's always that fudge shop, right? Fudge it's,
1: shop, yeah. And
0: it was just un relentingly hot and uh we'd been you know we it's wine country down there so we'd been drinking and everything and I was just freaking I wasn't hammered but I mean I was dehydrated and I just was not hanging and uh we came downwind from a freaking FUD shop and I I it was the worst smell. I mean, you could have put a whole pile of dog shit in front of me. I would have rather have smelled that. Really? Yeah. It was so bad. <laughs> it was so bad. It just hit me so hard. And I was like, Oh God. Nope. Uh, nope. No. Go. Tu- <laughs> yeah. We're turning around, going back, retreat, retreat. So yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's funny how it, it's funny how it hits every once in a while, just in a really bad, in a really bad way that most people will be like, Oh my God, that sounds delightful. I'm sure it is for most people. So, but what are you gonna do one, yeah you know. exactly so just probably not I, the worst
1: thing that you don't yeah, eat a bunch of chocolate
0: exactly yeah so um uh, you're already you've already got your cigar lit up what uh, what I did do. you what do what did you decide to start the show with tonight
1: um this is the uh, bayas artes in the habano oh so it's, one of, my, it's one of my favorites so it's a it's just a solid everyday smoke honestly
0: I bet, I bet, uh, I bet you've been having fun. Kind of, I'm sure you've smoked. I've heard you do. We talked about this last time you were in. I've heard you say it in other uh, other interviews, I've that you you were a cigar smoker long before you you joined uh, uh, your your uh, your previous company, which we'll talk about. It's not like you know, like the one that shall be unnamed here in a second, but right. I know that um, um, I know you were a cigar smoker before then everything. So I know you smoked a lot of their like their stuff and everything. But um, I bet it's been kind of fun, kind of really diving into the portfolio.
1: It is. And it's, it's very different than, you know, with what I was working with before Macanudo, it's just, I mean, both from the cigar standpoint and from the history standpoint and just, I mean, everything. So it has been fun. And I still try to maintain smoking everything to the best of my ability, you know, smoking at night or on weekends or whatever with friends, but, you know, ultimately you're still smoking the majority of, you know, the brand that you're working with. So it is a, it's just a, it's been fun, yeah, getting to be a little bit more intimately familiar with another brand.
0: Yeah, um, so it's as, as, as become a tradition here in our show. Um, I always have my guests select my cigar, so I've got a couple of choices for you to do. I do have one of, I do have what you're smoking. So that is, have you had uh, it that before? Is, um, I have had yes, I have all these cigars that I'm about to showcase for you. I've had before, so
1: nice.
0: I have the the Bayas Artis Sabano. I have the Bayas Artis Maduro. Great cigar uh have the new world the original the og the um i guess uh, i Iscuro. mean is it
1: is, is it the escuro yeah yeah
0: yeah okay i couldn't remember if it's the Um the enclave broadleaf nice and the dias de gloria in the robusto size uh,
1: the dias de gloria is a really good cigar just a really really solid cigar i so, hadn't had one of those before I started working for the company, to be honest, and I started smoking them when we were down at the. Uh, we went down to the factory for the sales meeting. I was like, "Damn, these are really good. I could totally get on board with these <laughs> every day."
0: When it, see, we're going to talk about this, their releases here in a little bit, just the way that they release things and stuff. And I thought, man i I thought it was really, really underrated um, when it came. Like, it was a new it was a new cigar that year from AJ Fernandez, and like, I just didn't think it got enough play. And it was really, really it it Really good. It, it took me off guard. So, what would you like me to light up today?
1: Why don't you do the uh, the Maduro,
0: the OG, the Enclave, uh, or the uh, the well uh, the, oh, the bass artist Maduro.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. Sorry, okay, I forgot cool, cool. that you had the Enclave Maduro as well. Yeah. I have the uh, in case I need it, which I probably will because, frankly, I've gotten farther through this than I thought I would. I have the Last Call Maduro for you know my Last Call cigar. There you go. Felt appropriate.
0: Yeah, you know, we get to chatting on the show. It gets, it gets pretty late to, to some people's chagrin and to other people's delight. So it, uh, it just depends. on your. Well,
1: it goes so fast. You think like, Oh my gosh, you know, two hours, what are we going to talk about? And all of a sudden you look at the time, and you're like, what the fuck? How has it been an hour and a half already? How do we have to wrap this up already?
0: So a few weeks ago was uh, I had Alan Rubin of, of Alec Bradley and, nice. uh, and, uh, it was my second opportunity to interview him on the show. And, uh, in like third overall. And, uh, and the, the first show is I, I tell people this all the time with, and, and with all respect to the first time you and I spoke, but it was my favorite interview that I've ever done simply because it was, I got to finally ask, I finally got to talk to him and I finally got to ask the questions that I had always wanted asked over the years and no one would ask him. And it wasn't like crazy, like cutting edge journalistic stuff. It was just like, sure. I really just want Like, I really want to dive into this perspective that, you know, of his career and stuff. And I finally got to have that conversation with him and it was perfect. And I I just, I really enjoyed the conversation and we got to know each other really well. It was great.
1: Can you give me an example of like what you wanted to ask him? I just like
0: the, he's a father of sons and I'm a, I'm a father of sons. And, uh, you know, when he got the number one cigar of the year, you know, he had this, you know, just to sum up, he had, he went into, like he made some mistakes by, by like hitting the accelerator on production and not paying attention in key areas and things like that. And, and it, 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 the, the quality suffered and it wasn't really anyone's fault. It, in the sense of like, like, it wasn't like him. You know about the it, Otto? Yeah. Yeah. The Prince, Otto. It wasn't like, it wasn't him getting greedy It wasn't the, it wasn't people cutting corners to try and do things. It was, it, it, it was just a whole very complex, uh, problem that stemmed from demand and everything like that. So, but I mean, he could have taken it. I'm, I'm being ginger with it, but like he could have taken it a thousand different directions. He could have pointed fingers at all those things, but he didn't. In fact, he, he made a point to actually fly to New York, basically demand an interview from cigar aficionado and fall completely on the sword and talk about how the mistakes that he made and he threw it on himself, not the company he threw it on. himself, And it was, this incredible moment of humility which the industry is full of hum- humble people that's that's not like weird in the sense but like um but like i said he could have gone a, a thousand different re- directions with that and he chose to just be honest up front and really kind of fall in it and and my next question to it was like okay uh, on a family that was on a scarf company that was founded literally on a family name of his two sons like
1: mm-hmm.
0: like how did he feel that that like how did he feel that that uh did for it like what did that do for his legacy what did that do what kind of life lesson did it feel like he taught his kids there was a lot of follow-up questions with it and it's just things that like perspective that i just wanted to really dive into and we had a great great conversation and everything and it just was it was it was really eye-opening and That's uh cool yeah it was it was it was really it was really fantastic like i said it was it was it was the, all the questions i've ever wanted to ask it was the exact question in the I wasn't looking for any particular answers or anything, but it was just a it was a really great convo. But um, anyway, he, I had him on a couple of weeks ago. I was like, "Well, how can I build on that?" <laughs> you know, that first interview. Yeah, and 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 then we proceeded to have another three hour conversation of just really deep, cool you know stuff into his now Hall of Fame career because he's he was elected to the cigar fish Hall of Fame. So it was like it was it was really cool that like we could go another three hours of, and find really, and what I felt was entertaining stuff to talk about. So. Yeah.
1: And you get to the point where you feel comfortable and you have that rapport and you can have an open and honest conversation and, you know, ask the questions that <laughs> I don't want to make it punny, you know, the burning questions here, but right. um, yeah, I've only met him a couple of times throughout the years, but he's always been, you know, very kind and pleasant. So
0: yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a gentleman of the, of the first order. I, um, I was also very, pleasantly surprised just how easy he was to talk to the very first time like it was which probably made it why why the interview went so well yeah it just was very easy going but um um but in the words of your husband's mug you, you are a delight as well when you are <laughs> to talk to So so um Thank you. <laughs> but this is a um this is a like i said this is a rare kind of occasion uh because you know while people change companies all the time You know, for the last, you know, seven plus, uh, seven years, you've known, you've been known as Laurel of Macanudo, the brand ambassador for Macanudo, one of the premier brands uh, in the industry, in the world, actually. And, uh, and you've, you've kind of been attached to that. And it was, uh, it was, you know, really great to see the, what you did in that role and everything. And we'll, we'll kind of go back around memory lane, but let's talk about the now you, you make this move to AJ Fernandez. uh. I mean the, the the burning question to throw your pun back at you. Oh, thank you. I mean, <laughs> why why was this move so attractive to you? Why did you ultimately decide to uh, to step away from your current role and take this uh, take this challenge on?
1: You know, it leaving Magneto was really it was really difficult because I had been there for a long time and you know, I felt like I really had become. I mean, I really had become attached to the brand and the people I worked with, and you know, you get so comfortable in an environment with you know all the all the guys around the road with on a regular basis. I should say, guys and gal. <laughs> um, but you know, it, it just AJ was appealing because it's a brand that's on. I don't know how to properly articulate this. You know, we talked about this a little bit before the interview started, you know, it's a brand sort of on the precipice of just being like really, really great. I mean, AJ Fernandez is already a great brand. You know, the cigars Mm -hmm. are well-received and known, um, but just to be able to be somewhere and kind of help take it to the next level. And, you know, with Macanudo, when I came on, I was specifically handling Inspirato because Inspirato was new to the U S market and, You know, early on in my career there, um, I kind of had the opportunity to, you know, help shape the brand in the U.S. market. And I'm forever grateful for that. But, um, you know, it's Macanudo is already a powerhouse brand and it already had a big following and, you know, did really, really well. So my position there was just, you know, it's different than my position here because now I'm a little bit more on like the back end of it to sort of kind of help bring more programs and initiatives to the market as opposed to having these in place and then going out and executing them so if that makes sense
0: yeah i mean it is it is a different role for you for sure and you know my mic fails in the first five minutes of the show and now i'm all i'm all aflutter with this 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 is tonight's major point by the way and as always our, our our major point is brought to you by the people yes cigar people the people who know everything about a lifetime of service protocol cigars is more than pool parties and good times Well, maybe it is. But behind the fun is a motivation for service, a motivation for giving back. From the original Protocol Blue to the latest release in the Lawman series, Phoebe Cousins, Protocol has always been about honor, passion, and yes, the people. It's always what their life's work has been and always will be about. Power of the P, Protocol Cigars. See, just get all over the place when you don't uh, with technology just suffers and you just get thrown off your groove. Sends
1: you all in a tizzy. I know,
0: exactly. Um, But um but to, it gets back to your point about about where how this role is different and everything i mean were you were you kind of like were you were you burnt out of being like in the spotlight all the time and you wanted to take a more developmental approach or was it was it the challenge you were looking for or was it just something different or what i mean
1: um, combination honestly, <laughs> a little yeah i mean really a combination because you know i i love being out, out and doing events and seeing people in person you know but the the travel just it gets to be a bit of a grind and um you know and in-store events it it, it was kind of weird with covid because i thought post covid they would kind of have a resurgence um because i know people were sort of getting fatigued for, with in-store events and everything and uh after covid when people started kind of coming back into stores and you know doing more stuff in person it seemed like just the the whole climate of events had changed a little bit um, so there was you know that aspect of it and just you know wanting to do something different and you know i think i get I, you know you get restless and you just you want to do more and you know with macnudo it was great because the opportunities they gave me and the tools they gave me i was able to you know work with the brand and um you know help develop things that ended up being really cool like the event platform we did uh with the fuma tastings i always really enjoyed that i like the educational aspect of it but um i think i needed the challenge of being able to be kind of on the back end of it and then help sort of put those programs in place and develop those programs and then also bring them as opposed to um going and executing them so yeah i mean it's definitely my own <laughs> my own need for just something different more mm-hmm.
0: well it's i found the the one part about this that i found funny or interesting right like but funny in the ironic sense that like not yeah. funny how was <laughs> aj has his 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 hand toe whatever you want to call it in so much yes and including all a lot of projects at stg yes not macanuda which was the brand that you were a part of so i found that really i was like well, that, because I was like, oh, that makes sense. No, no, not necessarily. It doesn't, I mean, it sort of does, but like, right. bilaterally, but not, not yeah. directly, so. Yeah, because
1: um, he was doing a lot with, like, Diesel, and then some for Punch, and Hoytamama Ray, so, yeah. But Macanudo was one that, uh, you know, we didn't have any AJ collabs on.
0: Yeah, it was, it's, uh, I was always kind of hoping that that you guys would do something. I just thought that that would be, that would be an interesting that I would like to see his take on it, you know, because AJ has a very signature, you know, like, like it or love it. There's, he has a very signature thing about his cigars and yes. well, they taste differently, of course, but they have what we call that, that kind of AJ signature about them. And uh, I, I always wanted to see his take on, on the Macanudo brand. Cause he did something really cool with, it, I thought, I think his most unique cigar, cigar up to date brand wise or affiliated wise is the Ramon Yones. I think that's the most yes. unique cigar he's done.
1: Yes, the yeah, it is. It is. And it's it's got so much punch to it, but it's not overwhelming. Right. Um, and honestly, I think the reason that we didn't do anything um with AJ when I was at Macanudo is just because, like you were saying, you know, AJ has a very signature blending style. I mean, you can mm-hmm. try any cigar, whether it be an AJ portfolio or something that he did as a collaboration, and you know it's his tobacco and his blending style. And I think it just didn't necessarily fit for what they were trying to do with Macanudo and just the overall brand feel. It made more sense for punch because punch had that characteristic to it. Same with Hoyo diesel, you know, a little bit more inherently, um, just bold in your face, you know, Macanudo for the bolder cigars were still a little bit more delicate and intricate. So I think just, I mean, I don't know, (laughs) you know, I was not part of the conversation. Why or why not? Uh, You know, AJ didn't do anything with Macanudo, but that would be my speculation is that it just, it wasn't necessarily the blending style that they wanted for that brand.
0: Well, I think this was, I think what was really cool about this move. And I, like I said uh, earlier in earlier tonight, and we touched on this last time you were here and I've heard you talk and I'm almost kind of apologetic about it because it came, it, it, it's literally come up in every interview that I've heard from you, and I think it was like really unfair. We're going to talk about women in the industry again here in a little bit, but like because you were associated with Macanudo, and Macanudo has this had this uh, again ha- had this kind of identity. Well, like mild, mild cigars, right? Like, oh, do you do you like anything? Have do you do you smoke anything else, or do you smoke anything more full bodied? And, it, and credit, all the credit in the world to you, Laurel. You never, you were never defensive about it at all. You're like, of course I do. You know, like, you know, I love cigars and I smoked cigars before Macanudo. I smoked it after. And like, so I thought this was a great move for you in the sense that prove to, to, to all those people that now you don't have to answer that question anymore, even though I just brought it up again. Um, <laughs> okay. But, but I, I, and I bring it up just kind of, uh, again, falling on my sword a little bit there. Cause I was just like, why did I, why did I pursue that, 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 uh, that line of that line of questioning where it just seemed like it one it had been overdone two you know that's that's
1: but it's, it's unnecessarily a question
0: well it's unnecessarily general you know it's generalization you know so but i i see i, I see i appreciate appreciate you having me in my back though thank you
1: oh yeah no you're welcome no and, uh, and i think it's just it's one of those things that it's not insensitive or belabored it's just that it's it's a unique point because to your point, there are not a ton of women in the cigar industry. So that's the opportunity like you had with Alan Rubin to maybe ask a question that you otherwise wouldn't have been able to ask because there's a different perspective. So you're all good.
0: Yeah. Um, Like we said about diving into the humidor, you said the DS de Gloria is something you've been really enjoying and everything. What, what was the, and I mentioned Ramona Yones being the most unique cigar experience that I've had. What's been the one that, it, it has was it the glory that caught you off guard was has there been another one that you're like man this is this is this is really great
1: you know what really caught me off guard actually was the last call habano it of oh, the original yeah it's mm-hmm. so i've always liked the last call um back in my retail days uh they had actually actually i don't know i'm trying to remember the timeline it was either in my retail days or like right after i stopped anyway um they had come out and just, you know, the price point was always appealing because I'm like, Oh wow, this is a great yeah. cigar. And it's only like five or $6. And, you know, for like, I mean, literally a last call for like a little nightcap, um, you can just smoke a petite Corona or something. And I was working with one of our newer reps in Dallas a couple of weeks ago, and he had a bundle of last call Corona's on him and being a super slow smoker. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to just do those because I don't want to hold this up at every account we go to. Um, and I was like, damn, this is a really good cigar. Like it's just, I always, I mean, I knew it was a good cigar cause I had smoked it before, but I think maybe I just didn't, I never expected it to be as good as it is because it is only like a $6 cigar and I've really been enjoying the shit out of it. <laughs> so awesome. that was the one has like surprised me the most, like how much I enjoy the last call.
0: That's awesome. So what are some of the first initiatives that will uh, that you'll be doing, that you'll be taking part in, and and we'll be seeing again. These aren't necessarily, and and they very well might be new releases. So, I, I mean, if if you can talk about it, that's fine. But um, but like other, I know there's going to be other parts that you're going to be working with and everything. Like, what are going to be some of your first initiatives on within the with this the new position?
1: Um, some of the first initiatives, without you know getting too deep into the uh, the the Venn diagram that they are, but uh, is developing a cohesive event platform. So we can just go and, you know, get the AJ name out there a little bit more and get the cigars in people's hands. Um, And right now, one of the big initiatives that we're trying to do this year is to work on differentiating AJ Fernandez portfolio from the collaborations. Because there's a lot of people who they will say like, oh, I smoke AJ Fernandez. I smoke the the H Upman or the Hoyo or whatever it may be. And it's like, well, yeah, that's an AJ blended cigar, but it's not an AJ portfolio cigar. And just kind of helping people understand that portfolio is different than the collaborations. And um, so kind of working on that via events and training, um, also um, work on a training platform for brick and mortar retailers, um, some, you know, bigger e-commerce places as well, and Um, as well as working with some of the sales reps and just getting them some like collateral and material uh, to give to customers. So they have something, you know, physical that they can refer to and, you know, have something like talking points to customers and stuff. Because really it boils down to getting the retailers on board, getting them just to understand what the product is, what we have to offer again, kind of differentiating portfolio from collabs, just to be able to articulate that to consumers and, um, yeah, via, via events and trainings, kind of just get AJ a little bit more branded out there.
0: I'm so glad you say, it. I said bingo, right. When you said it. I, yeah, I, I I, it's, it, I, 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 sorry, we said that we talked about this before we went live and I have to say, I said, I was going to say it on the air and I'm going to, um, when I first learned about your, your, uh, your changing, of of jobs and everything and, and coming over to AJ Fernandez. I got really excited uh because I know your background. I know you you were you were a PR uh at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. I know that I mean you had a big hand in I you know building the identity of Macado like we were just talking about. And I was like this this is what this is what AJ needs. Um yeah. so I got really excited for you and for them because um it's not like look they're they're way worse offenders in the industry about like brand confusion, no cohesiveness, terrible identity. AJ is definitely not, definitely not in the bottom of that pecking order. Like the, the marketing is, is, is gorgeous. The labels are beautiful. It has oh, it's
1: so intricate and ornate.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean like the base, like for example, the Bayes artists, like you're smoking the Habano. I'm smoking the Maduro, like same, same labeling, different colors very distinguishable but yet again cohesive right so like and and they're go- and it's gorgeous you know i mean it's yeah, very traditional
1: abs- cuban-esque
0: yeah exactly so again not the worst offender <laughs> by, by a long stretch but that was the part that i was i was trying to articulate before the show and you just hit it was that because there's so much that he's got his hands in involved with it really it really has kind of blurred the lines and, and i've heard people say this and and I'll 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 be the first to admit it, Laurel, um, because I'm just being transparent here. Like I've often said that I think some of his best cigars are collaborations and not and not within his own portfolio. And it's not to say that his own portfolio like these I love this cigar, you know. Um uh, yeah. But it's it's it was missing something and I couldn't really put my finger on it or anything because again, I'm not a PR person or a marketing person. So duh, wouldn't be able to do that. But this hire to me, like I got excited for you and I got excited for them. Like I thought this was a pretty, a pretty cool, uh, pretty cool union. So I'm excited for you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, I mean, it feels really good and that they are like, Hey, we, we want to do this. You know, we, we recognize that, you know, we need to have a little bit more of a, <laughs> a strategy to bringing the brand to people. And yeah, I feel, I feel very honored.
0: So, I mean, you joined the company at a pretty cool time, you know, they just launched, uh, they just launched a pretty popular cigar that just, you know, got in the top 25 in cigar Nato. Yes. That was cool... actually my
1: other contender for tonight. <laughs> yeah.
0: The, uh, the, uh, the new world Dorado. Um, yes. Um, which I confess I still haven't smoked yet. Uh, I couldn't find. Otherwise, I would it would have been one of my choices tonight. You probably would have picked it. But
1: I'll add that um, to the care package.
0: Oh, thank you very much. You're kind. Um, but what you know? What has been the? Again, I know you're just a few weeks on the job and everything. But what has been the the impact of that cigar that you that you've seen in, in your in your your little time there?
1: Honestly, it's been bringing more awareness just to the New World line, which is crazy because the New World line is our. Like best overall selling line, um, New World smashes it. And typically, if you go to a humidor, you can see most of uh, the New World offerings. But Dorado has sort of brought people back to it. You know, maybe they started with the New World and you know tried an Enclave or um, you know smoked the collaboration or something. They still like AJ, but they've been sort of dipping their toe in other waters. And the Dorado and just the uh, the interest that it's generated. I mean whatever, say what you will about reviews. Everyone has their own opinion, but you know, top 25 in cigar aficionado is big and it really does move the needle. It brings attention to the cigar. And yeah, by having that Dorado in there, um, people are kind of seemingly more interested in some of the, the original new worlds.
0: Yeah. Well, what I liked about it again, to our point from just a few moments ago was I really, you know, AJ is, is not not a stranger to the cigar fishing on his top twenty-five. They no, like his no. cigars, they like his blending style. But it was really great to see one of his portfolio like items you're yes. we talking about specifically in it, and we've recognized for it. Um, I dig the I dig the New World Cameroon. I think that's uh, that's a fantastic fantastic cigar. Um,
1: and that cigar and, actually surprises me because usually Cameroon is a little bit of it can be a little sluggish in portfolios, mm-hmm. um, but the New World Cameroon. I mean, it's like high up on the list of most popular cigars that we do. And I love a Cameroon, so it speaks yeah, to me for it's, sure.
0: No, I, I know what you're saying when it's like sluggish, when it's not done well, um, because a, genuine Cameroon, uh, African Cameroon is one of my favorite tobaccos. I think it's it's incredibly rich. and But it's also, even its counterparts that are grown in other countries like Ecuador, for example, like it's and not to get too down the rabbit hole of blending, but it's just a very, it can be a very brittle tobacco. And yes, and it can get over uh, overwhelmed, and you it's such a beautiful tobacco, you don't want to overwhelm it. So it becomes like this balancing act of like, you know, they can they can somehow get away from people, even like the the best in the business and everything. And I think that's what what I really liked about the New World Cameroon is it it it, it paid respect to the rapper and and uh and uh and was it was a good cigar to to debut. So um yeah,
1: that's the there. thing, you know, highlighting that rapper, right? You know, why try to bury Cameroon with too much on the binder or the filler because it is delicate both in you know texture and flavor but you know that that sweetness and the spice and the earthiness that you it's unrivaled like you can't mimic a cameroon flavor from anything else so why not let it shine
0: mm-hmm. agreed um you know getting back to so like in, in the you spent some time on the road and everything like what um what have you noticed about the the AJ Fernandez smoker? Do they gravitate more towards uh towards the heavier stuff like the Bayes Artis Maduro? Do they do they reach for like everything in the portfolio? Is it more on the mild end, like most of the industry? Like what, what have you noticed about the the typical AJ smoker that you've noticed so far?
1: I mean, I would say just going out and visiting accounts, I don't have like a ton of experience to. Go off of, but what I've noticed so first far, first impressions, yeah, first impressions is yeah, that, was, impressions that, that, is that, be that it, it tends to be people like a little bit stronger cigars. I think AJ kind of has this. I don't want to say you know people expect his cigars to be like you know strong and powerful, but I think when people want to smoke an AJ, they want something that has a little bit more to offer. So um, it seems like people gravitate towards the the fuller blends and honestly the bigger vitolas as well um you know we do really well with like the the gordos in most of the lines so i think people want you know big and bold well i think and we don't the... do a lot of milder stuff i mean really the okay. san latano connecticut and the new world connecticut are the only and those are still like mellow medium
0: and then there's a there's also a requiem connecticut too right
1: yeah that's yeah. the san latano
0: right okay yeah the
1: san latano requiem yeah yeah
0: okay see yeah. That was, that was another one that got a lot. I was in the humidor yesterday and I saw that. I was like, what, when did that happen? How did I, cause I, I mean, I, I feel like I'm a pretty plugged in individual Yeah. and I was like, wait, when did that happen? Um, you know, I, I, uh, I got a couple and I smoked them yesterday actually. Cause I was like, okay. Like, so it just goes to show you, I I had already had it. I just hadn't, hadn't had the new packaging or whatever. So, <laughs> but it was, it yeah, was enjoyable think... scars.
1: And I think people really, if they think of AJ and they think of portfolio, New World comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, even just getting like the Enclave out there or, you know, having people revisit San Latano. I mean, San Latano was one of the originals. I mean, when he started doing his own blending for himself you know san latano was it so i think it's just it's easy in the cigar industry to smoke something and then you know move along i mean we talked mm-hmm. about that with Macnudo. you know people smoke a cafe from 20 years ago and they're like oh i smoked that a long time ago it's like the san latano like oh i had that back in the day but you know it's just kind of getting people to remember that other things in the portfolio exist and it's not a huge portfolio so it's not unreasonable yeah. to have like tried everything at some point but yeah
0: the uh, um the Enclave to me doesn't the original the original not the broadleaf which I love I'll smoke that anytime I think that's fantastic the Enclave for me didn't hit my palate right off the shelf but I had some sit back for a year plus and I, I I smoked those probably within the last year and I think they had like a year plus on them if memory serves me correct I think one was actually even two it was even three years old and man they aged fantastic there's yeah. oh my gosh that cigar is completely different
1: so uh, you didn't love it at first but you really liked right. it after some age
0: so yeah so there's there's my there's my warning to people so if if you don't like the enclave age it and it's fantastic if you do like the enclave don't age it because it's a completely different cigar and you probably <laughs> won't like it so um but yeah it was it that's what i I mean i I do my audience knows this i, I do a lot of age experimentation so um that's why I'm not afraid. Like if I don't like a cigar at the very beginning, it's like, okay, I'll take some and I want to see what what, what time does to it. Sure. And, um, and that's what I, what I've really come to find and really enjoy about aging. Some of AJ stuff, uh, particularly his portfolio specifically is that it doesn't lose that punch. And it mm-hmm. kind of, it kind of rounds out a little bit. Like it doesn't, it's and not to say they're harsh in the beginning, but it really, it really rounds out and it, they become like, very, very rich, which some which is saying something because some of them are pretty rich to begin with. But they, the richness comes out to the beginning. There's there's a lot of nuttiness, a lot of leather notes come out uh, that just make the they're very aromatic. Which kind of there's a throwback to his Cuban heritage. Yeah, like old school Cubans kind of have that 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 very distinct aroma. Yeah, so it's kind of cool um, having experimenting a little bit with these with these cigars for sure.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, everyone's palate is different. Everyone's preferences are different. I mean, it makes sense. Everybody can't like everything. Right. But it's interesting because I'll have some cigars. that's the same thing. Like I'll love them at first and then I leave them to age too long. I'm like, Oh man, this lost some of its edge, but some yeah. cigars is great for, um, you know, and I think Nicaraguan tobacco having a little age on it, just in general really kind of brings everything to the surface. And like you said, kind of, it just takes a little bit of that sharpness away um, and what I found very impressive is that he can use just very heavy, like Nicaraguan tobacco blends, you know, from different regions and still be able to create all these different flavors and, you know, okay, one blend might be a Nicaraguan Puro and another blend might be a Nicaraguan Puro, but they're two completely different blends mm-hmm. and they, they're going to taste completely different if you smoke them fresh or aged and yeah.
0: Well, a throwback to it, uh, to your general days too, is that with like the, the uh the diesel Esteli Piro was my number two cigar of uh, last year, not this not 22 nice. but 21. And uh um that cigar ages beautifully as well. That's and that's a that's a Nicaraguan Piro from AJ. So like mm-hmm. it's it had a lot of sharpness uh, to begin with, but this very wonderful aroma that was very nostalgic for me. And it only becomes more prominent with age, which is just beautiful. I I think that cigar is um just it 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 doesn't have the branding to to the coincides with the word elegance but it's it's an elegant cigar to me it has a wonderful elegance to it which is It's great. a great
1: cigar. Honestly, I liked it. I haven't smoked any really aged but I mean I like them new as well.
0: Yeah. The um to 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 not to put too fine a point on it, but a cigar that reminds me of it in a very underrated sense is the the Dia de Gloria which we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Um wonderful wonderful aroma and i've aged some of those not too long i've fed some that are like six months old and they have this wonderful um you're gonna think i'm crazy but this kind of like very creamy um kind of Capone thing going on which is just interesting really really nice and this wonderful aroma <laughs>
1: well and i think the Diaz de gloria is the one in our portfolio that is the most Cuban-esque. And that was really what he was going for, but it's just, it has that complexity and it really just, as you're smoking it, it takes you on this whole journey.
0: Right. So, so speaking of journeys, to get back to your, your position with the company, like we talked about first initiatives and everything. What are some of your long-term goals? Like what, what do you want to hopefully see in a little more like long view sense of, of what you're trying to start now and what eventually become from this role?
1: I mean, you know, long-term goals are just, I mean, I don't want to say changing perception, but just really, you know, getting people to know portfolio and understand the difference and then, you know, figuring out how to achieve that. And like I said, I think it's, you know, nothing happens overnight. It's going to be a long game, right? But, you know, ultimately just getting people to understand that the blends are, unique and they stand on their own and just even i mean i don't want to say like getting the name out there more because i mean i think a lot of people most cigar smokers to some capacity are familiar with the name um but just getting it to be you know more in the the rhetoric of like everyday cigar conversation
0: yeah i'm I'm kind of this is a leading question i admit it but like i mean do you think that aj the 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 AJ Fernandez brand has that has that capability to be synonymous with the the quote unquote like the the not just the big four but like also those long standing family business names like the, the Patrones the Arturo Fuentes. Do you does 100%. that? Is, okay, so does that that's that's kind of what we're going for in terms. Yeah, of yeah,
1: terms? and you know, and it's not you know, it's not something that we have to manufacture, you know, AJ came from Cuba and he started it from nothing. I mean, you know, he worked with, um, you know, CI and e-commerce sites, building his, you know, building his name and building his brand and, you know, kind of getting everything together and then launching his own. I mean, he's got the makings. I don't even want to say the makings, you know, he's got that name and that recognition already but it's just, yeah, it's never going to be, it's just a totally different level, um, you know, in size. It's never going to be, you know, a big four company, but I absolutely believe believe there is the potential for that, you know, more so than there already is.
0: See, I've asked that question of like much smaller, more more boutique brand owners and manufacturers over the years. Like, you know, my, and, and it was me like, Inserting like, I hope, like, one day, like, we're talking about it in the sense of we're talking about brand X in the sense of alongside the, like, the, the Arturo Fuentes and the Padrones and everything. Cause I think, you know, the more and more su- companies that we can get to that level that aren't necessarily associated brands like with STG or, or Altidus or something like that. Yeah. It it, 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 because there's so many great stories. Like, it, it, it's a, like you said, he's got the lineage, he's got this legacy but it's of a different era which i think yes. is re- which i think is very exciting um, yes i
1: mean it's it's not you know 50 years old he didn't take it over from his father or you know come into be born into a cigar legacy
0: and i think that that's also pretty interesting too in itself because you know while this is a very tr- traditional you know industry like nobody looks at him at, at least in my experience everyone talks to him not with the there's a reverence, right? When people say Carlito Fuente or Jorge Padron or their fathers, right? There's this reverence about them and that's, that's well-deserved and well-earned, but you know, with AJ, there isn't that reverence, but it doesn't lack the respect. Yeah. And that's the, that's the vibe that I've gotten over the years. I don't know if what your impression has been.
1: Yeah. And it's like, then, you know, how do you get to that point? Right. Does that come with just being around for longer? Is it just, you know, the perception? I don't know.
0: I th- well, I think what's interesting about like we were just talking about your job and in, in 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 being able to uh disseminate, you know, AJ portfolio versus collaboration and everything. I think it's it's a it's a really great responsibility and I think it definitely needs to be done because I think that that's what I think that's earned him that respect because I think, you know, everyone these are these are tr- tr- you know cherished brands that some of these brands you know and big and small because he works with like you know he works with stg he works with Altus, he also works with like espinosa yeah and smaller and smaller companies too um i mean he did dean parsons 10th anniversary cigar for epic which was a fantastic cigar um and i i think that's what's really earned him earned him that kind of that that respect and, and and well deserved respect because yeah. of what he's been able to do across so much yeah and, and why not put the spotlight on his own stuff and that's again that's why you're here <laughs>
1: well and it's funny that you're asking me these questions because to be perfectly honest I have you know going into AJ I had a totally different perspective you know when I was talking to them um, you know pre me coming on it was you know getting people to you know recognize the aj name and differentiate between portfolio and collab and think about this or think about that and i'm like people don't and i think for me i don't want to be like oh since i'm you know in the industry <laughs> but i think you have a different perspective because you're in it and you know what he's capable of and you know what he's putting out there so for me it's like to to think about it from a consumer's perspective it's like sort of this disconnect because I have my own opinions on it, knowing just, you know, from the collaborations that he did with STG and, you know, just being around in the industry for, you know, 11 years now. I think coming into the role, I had a different perspective and I'm like, wait, other people don't see this or other people don't think that way. So, you know, when you ask that, I'm like, well, I guess I have to put myself in a different position because personally, I don't see that, but I, I, other people do. Or don't see it, rather.
0: Yeah, and if again, that makes sense. No, it absolutely does. And again, that's why that's why you're here um, to kind of explain that to to kind of showcase that story and tell people about it. So, I think it is important. Um, and I think if if nothing if nothing else, I think this conversation so far is is kind of revealed that too. Is like we've blended this we've blended this even though the intent was not to. We still have managed, and that might be. completely well it is completely on me we've still managed to kind of blur the lines a little bit of with distinction but i think that with the goal being moving forward that there these are these are really this is an incredible story that he's telling himself and that we can we can certainly focus on it and have a a great you know you know a great company moving forward Uh, as you're as you're building you know as you're building these brands for the future and then of course future brands too like i mean it's not like he's going to stop
1: yeah Uh, (laughs) if
0: there's one if there's one thing for sure in the industry it's uh it's there well there are some certainties but one of them is that aj will continue to make cigars
1: absolutely he it's always moving and shaking man we were down there for the sales meeting in early january and um he had just opened a new factory and we got to tour like the dorado farm and see some of the different facilities and just i mean he truly is involved in everything so you know we talked about this before the interview you know people wanting aj to come out for events and stuff I'm like he's so occupied by doing everything down in Nicaragua and just looking at the scope of his operation like this gives me anxiety just thinking about what he right. has to do on a regular basis like on a daily basis wake up and do all these things I'm like you know he's constantly bouncing around and like you know between farms and the factories and everything I'm like how do you have enough time in the day to even oversee everything and he does
0: it's funny. I asked that question through a translator at the the PCA. Not this past year, but the year prior. He was there. Uh, the coop, the cigar coop team. Uh, we gave him an award. Um, and uh, we were. I was talking about that. I'm like, how do you how do you keep it all straight? Like it's crazy. You you have you have to be a, you have to be a certain level of crazy, and dedicated all at the same time. It has to it there there has to be some kind of balancing act there in his brain. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, um, and it's a, not everybody can compartmentalize, you know, what you have to do, you know, between, you know, personal and work and whatever, and be able to really oversee everything. And, you know, he's got people in different positions to obviously, you know, do things, but he's still, he's still running around. And yeah, I think it takes a certain personality and a special kind of person like AJ is highly intelligent and, you know, he really is very focused and he knows exactly what he wants to do. And I think that is what makes him so successful in managing that. But you know, for someone I was like, for someone like me, I'm like, oh my god, how do you do this?
0: <laughs> well, I, I I think it's it's even it's even odd place. Like when you know I'm friends with him on social media, um, and you know, I, and it's it's even oddly placed. Like he, he's a he's a, he's also a loving family man, right? He he loves. Oh, his, his...
1: son is so cute. We got to meet yeah. him.
0: <laughs> and he posts he posts you know, uh, family stuff on occasion. And it's, it's this bizarre, like when anyone else does it in the industry, it's like, oh yeah, that, that's, that's part of the course. or that makes sense or that it is, but like when someone like him is like, oh, you have free time, you can spend time with your family. It's almost like, it's kind of jarring in a sense that like, like, oh my gosh, like how, how, literally, how does this man do it?
1: Like there are do- not enough hours in the day to right. do what he does, but somehow manages <laughs>
0: so um really quick wanted to before we switched uh we switched uh gears here, we're gonna do a couple of fun segments I wanted to uh uh just talk a little bit about the Bayas artist Maduro that I'm smoking um yeah it's uh I think every time that I smoke this cigar, there's there I notice something new about it, and uh what I've really gotten out of this I'm about halfway through at this point, and that that power from up front has really kind of really kind of faded into this really nice balancing act of very, very sweet caramel uh, along with that spicy component. There's this really nice leather note to it as well. And I, it's, it's an incredibly balanced cigar. And I remember it's been, I don't know, a few months since I've had it last, but I've never, I don't think I would have used that as a descriptor before. Okay, and I'm, I'm sitting here and talking to you with it. And I'm smoking and I'm like, man, this cigar really is well balanced. This is incredible. And not to say that my experiences with it before, I love this cigar. I smoke it, you know, I mean, I smoke a lot of different stuff. So I won't, you know, like say I smoked it a couple months ago is infrequent. That's frequent for me. you sure. know. To, there's to a lot, there's
1: it. a lot out there. Yeah.
0: So, um, but I, I've, I've really, I've been really enjoying it. So um, what about the Habana that you're smoking? What, uh, have you noticed anything different about it? Or is it uh, the same greatness that you're used to it when you've had it?
1: Honestly, drinking it with the tea, I haven't had it with this before. So I was telling you before the show started, I'm drinking a black tea with some like citrus notes in it. And it brings out almost a little bit more sweetness in the cigar. Um, I love the one you're smoking because I love a Brazilian modafina wrapper. Um, I think it helps with that sort of like dried fruit sweetness and that balance. And, you know, it's it's funny that you brought up balance because, you know, when we were down there, AJ's whole thing is he's like, my cigars he wants them to be balanced. Like that's the whole principle of every blend is just, you know, maintaining a good balance in it. And, you know, I would say overall he does a really good job, but yeah, this cigar, it just, it's one of those that you can just smoke on a regular basis. And it's always satisfying. It's not too punchy. You know, I, <laughs> I didn't, The last time I ate today, was at like two o'clock. I'm like, oh, I don't want to smoke something super, super strong. Um, But yeah, it just, you know, it hits the palate, right? You get a little bit of that, uh, that spice on the retrohale, but it's not super spicy right out of the gate. Um, It's got those nice like cedar notes to it. A little bit of that carameliness, carameliness. I don't know if that's a word. Caramel (laughs) quality. (laughs) We'll we'll
0: make it one. It's
1: fun. Sure. Um, But yeah, it's just super enjoyable. But yeah, like I said, the tea, the tea almost brought out a little bit more like sweetness and citrus in it that I hadn't before noticed.
0: Nice. Um, what I what I've liked about the uh, the original Bayas artist when I've smoked it too is it's the the, the way the description you put on it like I would have that as well but I the Piro Especial I think is that one for me that way for me in okay. the sense of, like where I, I, it, there's another cigar on the market too that it's very uh, very similar to the Piro Especial to me it's the Saga Blend number no. seven okay uh, from Dalas Reyes. I I can get pretty poetic when it comes to cigar description. I have I I would consider myself to have a pretty refined palate. I like that's a lot sweet. of different foods. I can I feel like I can pick up some pretty unique notes. Um, not crazy off the wall stuff. I don't taste horse manure or anything like that or gasoline. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, or but this Agar blend number no. seven in the Puro Special to me. There's nothing about it that's like that bizarre, you know, poetic flavor notes to me. They're just very good cigars. Yeah. They're just and it's something I can go back to. I know it's just gonna be a very good experience every time. Every time.
1: See, I don't have, I mean, my palate is refined enough that, you know, I can taste the difference in cigars and food and everything. But I definitely like, I'm not a super taster. I wish I was. Honestly, sometimes I wish I was and sometimes I wish I wasn't because It's like, oh, I would love to be able to taste if I put, you know, one teaspoon of cumin as opposed to a teaspoon and a half of cumin. You know, the people who can tell the difference between like the the smallest little changes. But, you know, when I smoke a cigar, I kind of have to start high level and then whittle my way down from there. It's like, okay, you know, I get a little bit of spice, Like, well, what kind of spice is it? And I, you know, think more about it. Oh, this is, there's a, there's a sweet quality to it. You know, what is that sweetness I'm tasting? And, you know, really try to kind of funnel it down from there to be a little bit more precise. Um, so start broad and then get a little bit more narrow, but uh, yeah, it's like, to your point, it's just one of those ones you can come back to and it's like, yeah, it's just, it's a good cigar.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't, no, I'd love to take a test to find out. I, I don't think I am either. I think I have a very good palate uh, and I can decipher a lot of things. It's one of the things that drives me, my wife nuts about when I'm cooking because I'll sit there and I'll, I'll taste and I'm like, no, it needs more of this. It needs a little bit more of that it needs less of this. And so I feel like I, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, performing surgery on my own dishes a little bit to where yeah. she's like, can I just, can I just have dinner? You know?
1: <laughs> Dude, I'm the same way when I'm cooking. I'm so particular. And you know, everything, you know, you can, you can kind of let it get away from you and over season, but I mean, I'll just like, you know, pick and pick and pick and pick until it's perfect. And I have to take a step back when my husband is cooking. Cause I, I majority or for, for the most part, I'm doing the cooking just because I really enjoy it mm. and he'll do something and he'll be like, Laurel, I really want to do this on my own. <laughs> <laughs> because you know I'll hover behind him and I'm like taking a scoop and trying it and uh gosh about a month ago he was he was making biscuits and gravy and
0: things. He, kept, he
1: kept trying it and trying it and trying it and like opening the spice cabinet and you know having a furrowed brow and like making a noise and grabbing something out of the spice cabinet I'm like can I help you he's like no uh you know I'll walk out and come back a couple minutes later it's like oh I just you know want to offer my assistance if you need it he's like fine you can try it and tell me what it needs so I, I took a bite. I was like, it needs white pepper. And he put the white pepper and he's like, fuck, that's exactly what it needs. <laughs> 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 so I, you know, and I don't, I, I don't like to hover because I'm not trying to like give the impression that I'm better than him or that, you know, I need to be, you know, monitoring what he's doing, but like, I just enjoy doing it. And I think with food in particular, like I'm really good at being able to, kind of know what that missing ingredient is and not that white pepper is obscure but you know sometimes like honestly i found with like red meat dishes nutmeg nutmeg is like my secret ingredient and people are like oh this is so what is that flavor mm-hmm. i'm like it's nutmeg like,
0: yeah really. nutmeg is really good with rich very rich dishes it has a way mm-hmm. of cutting through a lot of just specifically like like your your bechamel's yeah days you know like that where cream is involved if you can add just like a dash of nutmeg it has a way of taking the dish to a different level which is weird because it's a baking spice tradition
1: yeah but it it, it provides that warmth i think that you Mm -hmm. wouldn't necessarily think of because like one of my the things that i make that i kind of inherited from my mom uh, she makes hungarian goulash and you know she made it her way and she'll always make it better than me just because it's somebody making it for me and it's my mom. But like, yeah. you know, my recipe is sort of a variation of it, but it's pretty different. And you know, nutmeg was the key ingredient. And I was very, I was very honored because the first time she ate it, she's like, Oh my God, this is so good. What's in there. And she's like, there's something I can't identify because she's pretty good at doing like the food stuff. Like I am, I was like, it's nutmeg. And honestly, that's what I love about cigars too. When you can, you find that one that has that really distinct nutmeg flavor. And, you know, sometimes I'll have a hard time with like the nuttiness. It's like, okay, I'm getting a nuttiness, but I can't discern if it's like almond or cashew or walnut or whatever. And, mm-hmm. you know, if I do like some food pairings, I can kind of bring out those flavors and help myself. But sometimes you get a cigar that just has that little pop of nutmeg. I'm like, ooh, this is so good.
0: Right. I, when I talk about nutty, nuttiness to people, when they're trying to describe it. They're like, I don't know what it tastes like. It's just like this nuttiness. So it's like, Does it dry your palate out? And they're like, yeah, it does. I was like, that's walnut. Oh, yeah. Cause yeah, walnut, walnuts, walnut and pecan are very, they're very pecan by itself. A lot of people can't eat pecans or put it in pecan pie, obviously. And that's a whole different level of yeah. you know, taking it. But if you just eat them straight, like they're very drying palate, like, uh, like even unsalted, unroasted peanuts. Actually, I, I don't know who got it in their head. I'm going to salt peanuts because peanuts already have a like a salinity to them they're already yeah. kind of salty yeah uh, like just uh, like straight out of the shell unroasted uh, you know unsalted just have already have a saltiness to them so i don't know who decided It's like oh we're going to add more salt to this um and um but yeah if it, if it dries out your palate I've, and you've tasted any it, so it's it's probably going to be walnut or pecan walnut yeah so, um nutmeg i, I have to this is a this is funny aside. Uh We were talking about before the show about how about that cigar. Garrett Robinson of how about the cigar was my guest on my Christmas episode this year, where we did um, Christmas cookies and like eggnog and holiday pairing with cigars and stuff. And like he went all out, man. He had the fresh nutmeg, the, the microplane, and he's just going nice. to town on his nutmeg. And uh, he drank probably like three or four glasses of nutmeg. Uh, it was three, well, it might as well have been nutmeg. Three <laughs> more glasses of eggnog, and he was just going to town on the on the fresh nutmeg and. He realized afterwards he's like, I didn't realize it was a natural diuretic because Oh no. <laughs> so we'll put two and two together there. Um but uh yeah, too much of too much of anything's not a good thing. I'll just yeah put it that way. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it it's it's interesting the uh, just we're coming full circle about the balancing act. Uh and uh um it it is very much you know, it, it is very important when it comes to cigars because a lot of them can be overwhelming in a sense. But there's what I've what I've always loved about AJ's cigars is they have that signature that we were talking about at the top of the show. But there's always kind of like this nice surprise somewhere in somewhere in somewhere in them, like where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, that's unusual. That's what makes this unique. That's what makes it different. Yeah. And that's what I've always really as I've explored his portfolio. That's what I really liked.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, we talked about earlier, it's just whether you smoke the portfolio or you smoke a collaboration, you can always tell it's like very distinctly AJ. (laughs)
0: Definitely. So, uh, we're going to come back to AJ f- for a couple more questions, but we this, we do want to take a break real quick and do some fun segments. And this next segment is our presidential trivia segment. So this is a new mm-hmm. one, Laurel that you didn't get to take part in last time you were here. Don't worry. It's multiple choice. Hopefully um, it's about
1: Watergate. I just finished a whole book on that. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, hopefully I'm it's about Nixon.
0: <laughs> should have talked, should have talked to you about this. No, it actually has to do with tea. So we'll talk about that. So, uh, this uh, segment is always brought to you by United cigars. Uh, featuring La Giana, havana distributors of jose dominguez bandolero garofalo and the highly acclaimed Atabe, byron and now Alfonso lines from selected tobacco smoke one today and start living united so as i mentioned laurel this is a multiple choice question it has to do with okay. our presidents uh and i thought this was unique i i did a little i knew a little bit about this and i thought this was a fun question because it's a little uh it, it's you know it takes part you know it takes some history but we we're also talking about tea so uh, of course uh very famously this country has uh started on the um uh, getting rid of tea which is the boston yeah. tea party of course yes. so how many uh so there are confirmed 118 participants that we know about uh future americans american colonists at the time that took part in the boston tea party Yes. how many future future u.s presidents participated in the boston tea party is it a3 b1 or c0 one see i I toyed with this (laughs) because i wanted to be like i don't want to make this incredibly obvious and i was like one is a a stupid answer because it's probably a really good answer that most people are going to guess at and i was like i just couldn't get around because i didn't want to say like four because that's obnoxious the answer is actually zero okay
1: damn that was Uh, my first inclination and then i can guess myself
0: i know i i so i I did a double check on this. I couldn't remember. I knew Samuel Adams was a part of it. And obviously he wasn't president. His brother was. And, uh, Paul Revere is another famous participant that a lot of people know, uh, Tom Hughes as well. Again, no future president. Yeah, so but no, no future. No future presidents took part in the Boston Tea Party. So even back then, if you if you had a little bit of a rebellious side, you just weren't going to make it to the Oval Office. Apparently, so yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: they knew back then. They Good knew PR. back then.
0: So, <laughs> uh, I know he's not a, a, a president, but Paul Revere is an interesting character to me in history, just because I love his story specifically because he actually got caught. The midnight Paul ride of Paul Revere. He got caught. Yeah. it was William Dawes who actually successfully had a successful ride. Told more people that the road coats were coming, and yet nobody knows his name. But everyone knows about Paul Revere, which is funny. But you know what? Uh, that's true, though. True. So we talked about Sammy Adams' brother, who became president, John Adams. So here, here's so John Adams was a uh, a man after your own heart because he loved tea, loved it. But this might be the reason why this... John Adams might single-handedly be the reason why we are a nation of coffee drinkers and not tea drinkers. Because obviously, during the American Revolution, it became very unpatriotic to drink tea. And so he switched to coffee. And as the story goes, and I've read this in several places, quickly, him and Abigail, his wife, became quickly addicted to coffee. (laughs) And so I guess it gave them the stimulation that they needed. And so then they... Would drink tea on occasion and more in private and everything, but they were notorious co- coffee drinkers. Even though they, he even says in in one in one memoir, he actually prefers tea. He actually preferred tea.
1: Interesting, but yeah, I suppose it seems unpatriotic. So, yeah. hence the the birth of the coffee craze in America.
0: Yeah. So, Starbucks, huh. thank thanks John Adams every day, <laughs> or they yes. should. Um,
1: Next year's holiday cup. <laughs>
0: Uh, I just pulled off the label uh, from this uh, Bayes Artist Maduro. And I think for the f- first time, I noticed
1: the signature. The, s- the signature. Crazy signature, si- right?
0: Yeah, it is a signature. Is, is it on everyone?
1: Yeah, it is. It's on mine too. Yeah, it's uh, every band. I was like, is this really his signature? I mean, how ornate is that?
0: This honestly looks handwritten.
1: Right? Oh, yes, yeah, so that's actually how he can, occupies can, all his time. He hand, I, there's, I was going to say, there's
0: no way. We just talked about how busy he is.
1: It's yeah, really ended, well that done. Gra-
0: like... That's a really well done graphic, though. It looks handwritten. Why? That's crazy. I'm just yeah, going to Star- sit here and stare like, at it. He's our graphics guy. He's great. This is great podcast content, let me tell you. Uh, as I'm just sitting here staring at a signature. Um, but no, it's really well done. Like, that's really great. I mean, it just looks it looks it, it looks like it was really it looks like someone signed it with a pen that's crazy um that maybe it's not him maybe there's like a there's a forger in the company that just that's that's what they that's do. their sole that, job. Their, that's their, that's job
1: sign each
0: so one I'll, I'll expect you to find the answer out on that one perfect um, i'll report back to you <laughs> um but uh no it's i going back to the the tea drinking in this country i think it's um there's a lot of residents that were there were big coffee people, too, and everything. Nixon was also a big coffee drinker. You you mentioned about the Watergate. What what got you into that book? I'm just interested just to kind of go down this path a little bit. You said you just got done reading a book about Watergate. Like, why?
1: Yeah, or- I know. It's really random. Um, So I... I find a lot of suggestions of other reading through (laughs) other books. So like, for example, I was reading um, the autobiography of Keith Richards a few months back and he talked about the book, the alchemist, that was really meaningful (laughs) for him. (laughs) I know, I know. This is
0: how how I got to work. I was reading, I was reading Keith Richards' biography and it just really wanted me
1: (laughs) Well, that was, so this one in particular wasn't, Keith Richards wasn't how I got there, but like I'll get interested in other reading material through something I'm reading. So I was reading a book about, so my favorite okay my favorite era of music is like 70s rock and yeah. I love like 70s rock like late 60s early 70s and like you know the kind like counterculture so I was reading a book on the counterculture um, and kind of like the birth of it and you know sort of the precipice of something that we now still adopt to this day and um in some degree or another and you know part of understanding the counterculture because it was sort of really solidified during the Nixon era in Vietnam and uh it, it didn't touch on it too much in the book but you know talking about like Watergate and everything I was like you know I know like a very like everyone did, everybody knows what Watergate is you know to some one, capacity one, right one,
0: one would hope yeah yeah but
1: I just right, one would hope but I just I didn't know that much about it. You know, there's only so much you learn in school. And if you're not going through the effort of really getting into the weeds, and I always found it really interesting. So I wanted to kind of learn more about what led up to it and like uh, the how the media affected it and in turn sort of shaped the country in a way that had had never been done before. And so, yeah, I I, I was reading something else that led me to this book on counterculture that led me to being more interested in the Nixon administration and then Watergate. So I actually just finished that this morning. And yeah, I mean, like I said, I knew the basics, but crazy shit, crazy shit.
0: (laughs) Nixon is a fascinating individual for a lot of reasons. One, he's, he's probably, you know, one of the most um, unattractive people to ever take the oval office and yeah i am talking about his looks but i'm also talking about just like his personality yeah like there was nothing magnetic about the man whatsoever like it makes sense why people picked kennedy over him but like even like even his vice presidential candidate which eventually became president when he resigned gerald ford you know all-american football player good-looking dude you know had this this natural swag Jimmy, you know, Jimmy Carter had, you know, this Southern, you know, draw to him. And Ronald Reagan was a freaking actor, for God's sake. So, like, I mean, even people of that era, like, he just, and looking back through history, is one of the most unattractive people to ever to ever become president. And if you take, <laughs> it's really hard, you can't really extract it because you can't mention the man without the scandal. But if you take Watergate out of it, his administration was did so much during such a volatile time in history that there, there was, he accomplished so many things, but it'll never, you will never, he'll never be associated with anything positive.
1: No, it will always be Watergate.
0: It'll always be Watergate, you know, no matter what. And even the butts that get inserted, like, you know, through retrospectively through, you know, like looking at it from an objective lens you're like, wow, he did a lot of other good things. Like got us out of Vietnam. Like that's a, that was a pretty big deal, but it didn't matter.
1: Yeah. Didn't but if matter. somebody said Nixon, think of the, you know, name the first word you think about it before president, it's Watergate.
0: Right. Sure. Yeah. Even before, pre- yeah. Even before president, it's Watergate.
1: Well, and just, it was interesting. The end of the book was talking about how, you know, the, just the lasting effects of it and the culture, how, you know, now we think of things like Gate. how gate gets added to Gate G- gets too. added to everything. Yeah. yeah. And I never thought about that. I was like, well, I guess, yeah, that did stem from Watergate. <laughs>
0: like the even whole, a, the whole
1: I, know, I know you left
0: on good i know you left on good terms but if it had been a volatile end of it, stg for you it would have been it would have been Tillygate, you know <laughs> like it just like gate gets added to everything with controversy and yes. it's it um yeah it's 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 unbelievable um history is fascinating to me this to this one did about how you can if you throw if you throw no matter how small if you throw if you throw a rock Into the river of history, its rippling effect can just completely move the trajectory of the river. It's crazy.
1: Yes. Well, and then you think about what if he had admitted to it, and everything everything else hadn't happened. You know, how would that? Because I mean, you talk about like the butterfly effect. One little thing, and it just Mm -hmm. it resets the whole trajectory. Like, what would have been different if he remained in office? How would that? How would that have affected everything to come? I'm sure, to some degree well, or another, it would have.
0: Well, let's let's take something a little bit more recent and contemporary that it happened in our lifetimes, right? Um, Bill Clinton, mm. you know, yes, the same thing, right? I mean, for most people, Monica Lewinsky is the is the the association, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And but people still look back at his presidency and can name all the positive things that he did. Yes, you know, and. And it being the historical nut that I am, it's, uh, uh everyone always says, you know, when we, I've had discussions about presidencies and they're like, oh, what's the worst thing that ever happened during their presidency? And we get to claim they're like, oh yeah, it's, it's Monica Lewinsky. I was like, no, it's really not. Um, uh, with all respect to that, that. was a personal
1: scandal, but that, that didn't was, really affect anything I said, politically. if
0: you were, the, I was like, if you wanted the worst thing that happened during the presidency is he, he had uh Glass-Steagall was, re- the Glass-Steagall Act was repealed, which, Ultimately led to the 2008 um, economic <laughs> economic yeah. destruction yeah. of this country and the world, for that matter, which is crazy. Which, I mean, it's it's great, and that's that's unfair to put it on him too, but I mean, it happened during his presidency, so yeah, it's crazy. So anyway, that was that was a little fun. A fun segue into talking about our presidential uh, trivia segment, which is always brought to you by United Cigars, featuring Lajia Havana, distributors of Jose Dominguez, Bandolero, Garofalo, and the highly acclaimed Atabay, Byron, and now Alfonso lines from Selected Tobacco. Smoke one today and start living united. Our next segment is uh, one of my favorite to do. And I was really excited to talk about this tonight, Laurel, because you picked a very unique charity. So, every week now we have uh, asked our guests to spotlight a charity or nonprofit of their choosing um and we've talked about some wonderful causes uh some related to the cigar industry some not tonight we're going to be talking about one that's not directly in uh associated to the cigar industry with one of your choosing so the ocean cleanup um which has
1: yeah yeah protect our oceans
0: yeah has not been brought up on the show. I've got we've we've tackled a lot of cool issues and everything. This is one that has not come up, so I was really excited to talk about something different. You know, why why did you pick this? I'll I'll, I'll give you the floor here a little bit. Why did you pick this, and why is this so important to you?
1: You know, I just maybe it's all the the David Attenborough documentaries I watch. You know, with the the fragile ecosystem and the oceans affecting everything. But really, I think it's it's hard for people to really comprehend how much something affects everything when they're not seeing it on a daily basis, you know, litter in the oceans, destroying, you know, animals and coral reefs. And then it's, you know, sea turtles are getting caught in it. And then sea turtles can't clean up the algae, algae on the coral. Then other life can't live there. And we don't, you know, and it trickles down to like, I mean, this is a really bad and broad overview, but how something, I don't even want to say as simple as trash in the ocean can really destroy a fragile ecosystem and then come back on everything else, um, you know, affecting food supply and just, you know, quality of water, quality of life. And uh, you know, I've got a friend who's actually a a Marine biologist. She's lived in uh, French Polynesia for like the last 10 years. And she actually is responsible for um, helping breed and relocate baby corals to try to uh, sustain coral reefs and, you know, generate new growth um, in a positive fashion. And uh, yeah, I've always just, I've always loved the ocean and have an appreciation for it. And I think there's just, I don't want to say there's not enough attention to it because obviously there are charities like this and, um, you know, whole programs dedicated to ocean cleanup and ocean conservation, but Um, yeah, I think it's just, it's one of those things that people don't really think about. And honestly, I thought about changing the charity because after the whole earthquake um, happened in Turkey and Syria, I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. Um, That's a little bit more of an an immediate thing, uh, like global giving, who will help with some of the the survivors and the families and, you know, the fallout of the the massive earthquake over there last week. But um, yeah, I mean, ocean cleanup, I think when we talked earlier, I talked about the national park system. And for me, it was also doing research into a charity that was actually a good charity. So they have a A plus mm-hmm. rating um, right. for their charity rating. So that, yeah. the the majority of the funds goes to actually helping ocean cleanup as opposed to going you know, into people's pockets. So that is also important to me when considering a charity is how much does your donation actually help the cause? And how much does your donation pay for somebody's salary? Um, Obviously people have to get paid, you know, they're doing work, but there's a limit, there's a limit. So yeah, I just, it's always been environmental issues have always been important to me. And uh, yeah, the, the oceans, I think just need a little TLC.
0: Yeah, that was, it, it was, I found it interesting just because I, I wouldn't have associated with it, but it sounds like envir- the environment is, is a big passion of yours. I found out, I was like, this Midwest girl picks the ocean cleanup. I didn't peg you for a, an ocean person necessarily. <laughs> so well, um, what
1: kid doesn't want to be a marine biologist when they're, you know, 12? Thousand
0: percent. No, I, I, I often joke like, um, that, um. My my wife my wife is a zookeeper, which is another you know another twelve year old girl's dream because I always say that you know every twelve year old girl wants to be a marine biologist when they grow up, and she was that girl too. She yeah, and it be becoming a zookeeper, which is probably the you know second most popular thing too. So she's living her dream out, which is great. Um, but I, it's I think when when we talk when people talk about the especially in today's and they're they're all important issues right but when people talk about environment today it's it's always like there's like this really big focus on climate and that's not to say that that's not important but um the ocean plays such a huge part in this too and and it, I was really this was really fascinating stuff and I'll put this stuff in the show notes too there are 5 according to the ocean cleanup there are 5 garbage patches that exist globally and the largest one is actually in the Pacific Ocean and it's halfway between the continents of Asia, Asia and North America so it's like right around like basically Hawaii kind of you know well actually even further further west from Hawaii and it it's estimated that this I'm I'm re- I am reading this I didn't memorize this but this is crazy it is estimated that 1.15 to 2.41 million tons of plastic are entering the ocean each year from rivers and more than half of this plastic is less dense than the water meaning that it will not sink once it encounters the sea and it accumulates in these patches that they're talking about and there's Mm -hmm. the largest one exists where just where i said um that's first of all the fact that there's that broad of a they don't have it narrowed it down that there's that broad of an estimation which is just insane yeah what that does i mean like you said, it affects everything. You know, you you talked about how just sea turtles and then everything else like that, it just kept going down the line and how it kind of affects everything. And we mentioned the butterfly effect earlier. It, it, one thing always affects the other. It's, it's, it's it's pretty crazy.
1: I mean, it's easy to make a joke. Like, you know, we get the little six pack, uh, you know, the little plastic thing, the six packs and, you know, you cut them up and it's like, You know, you joke when you're cutting them up, you're like, oh, save the turtles. But honestly, I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously it's not funny to have a turtle with plastic on them, but, you know, you think about like the long-term implications of it when you start to fuck with this Marine life and, you know, then they can't do their job and then other things can't do their job and then things Mm -hmm. start to fail. And then, you know, there's, I mean, there's so many different aspects of it, but yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely a ripple effect. And I think even if it didn't really mess with a fragile ecosystem having that much trash in the ocean is uncool it's just uncool yeah.
0: <laughs> well it's funny you mentioned the 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 six pack plastic because more and more if you especially if you look at the like the craft beer industry mm-hmm. they're going away from it the, yeah. the things that the whole sebec are the is the recycled plastic things which i mean trash is trash and it'll probably end up in the same place and everything but it it's much less dangerous
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh than 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 those than those uh those old you know six-pack holders and everything that still exists today it's not like they've gone away completely but like you go into any you know beer aisle almost all of them don't have that anymore which is which is cool
1: yeah yeah and i think there comes a point where we need to reckon with it and be like okay well now something actually has to be done we can't just keep working like we have been and expect it to change
0: right um you know um, one of our really little listeners, um, Mitch, uh, was talking about he he pulled a plastic he pulled off a plastic bag from a baby dolphin's head when he was Aww. paddling in Hawaii. It's horrible, which is
1: I mean, it's really great that co- he did it, but horrible oh, that it happened.
0: Yeah, it was really cool that he was able to experience that close to a baby dolphin. <laughs> but yeah, that's. I mean, it, oh, God, that's just awful. I. um. um I remember uh, being down on the beach once and smoking a cigar. And um, I, so what I do is I I pull the label off. I always put the label in my pocket, but then I'll put the, I'll put the cigar out in the ocean. And then like, I'll slowly just start taking whatever's left of the cigar and just peeling it away and just getting, discarding it and everything. Uh, Someone actually stopped me. um, This was a couple of times ago so what are you doing? You're, you're littering in the ocean. I was like, well, first of all, they're, they're, they're leaves. Um, right. And uh, they're completely biodegradable. And I said, second of all, if you're really going to get mad at somebody go get mad at them because they just left like half a picnic's worth of shit. Just, yeah. right. it's going to get washed up as soon as, you know, the tide, you know, kicks up a few feet, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, um, but it, it but it's also great that, that there are people that pay attention to that sort of thing, whether she was ignorant or not. Try <laughs> scolding me a little bit. Well, exactly,
1: bit. exactly. I mean, yeah, okay. I don't need your attitude, but I appreciate that you're trying to <laughs> be the cognizant of the environment. <laughs>
0: I'm not, I, I'm certainly not a fanatic by any stretch. Um, and I'm probably not as passionate as I need to be about the environment. Um, my, uh, being that I'm married to an environmentalist, you know, you would think that you know but i i'm more cognizant of it than i than i had been you know in my earlier youth and and things like that and so i try to pay attention to things like that so this was really cool i i really appreciate you bringing this charity up um they do incredible work not just in oceans but also in rivers Mm -hmm. um yeah because i think it's
1: based out of the netherlands if i'm correct like the main facility is in europe
0: it definitely is because they spell tons were a uh, weird. <laughs> okay. T- tons is to spelled on the websites. Tons is to spelled T O N N E S. Okay, So that's definitely uh, not. I would say it's not. It's a, it's a good stretch to say it's not an American based uh, charity, but
1: yeah, cool, because you know you figure everything gets into the rivers and then that's what filters out to the oceans. So if you're starting at the source,
0: well, just look at this. Like I'll, I'll pull up my phone here, and, and the, oh, that's a terrible angle. um <laughs> But like some of the uh, debris that ends up in oceans, so yeah. Just, Crazy that gets pulled out and everything. It's not just, it's not just a plastic bottle. It's everything, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um but but thank you so much for bringing this up. Um, um,
1: yeah. At the end of the day, just respect where you live. Don't no, litter. Definitely. Don't throw trash and shit.
0: Ninety-two <laughs> percent of the total mass of all waste found in the ocean, uh, this is the debris is is no larger than five millimeters, though. Really. That's crazy. Well, I've seen that too, because I've seen I've seen documentaries where they're these companies, these these nonprofits and everything, they go, they go out and they they take a huge net and it like looks they pull up stuff and it looks like they pull up nothing. Yeah. But then what they they and microscopically that they're pieces of plastic. It's crazy. Just crazy.
1: Well, it's those pieces that embed themselves into everything else and you know create problems. Like obviously no size trash is good, but you know, then they they really ingratiate themselves where they're not supposed to be
0: right exactly These, In these food patches.
1: Supply and yeah yeah right
0: exactly yeah i mean just think about that next time you're eating a, a fish or whatever that's
1: well crazy. it's really cool that you do the the charity highlighting i mean it's a it's a great way to you know bring awareness to these things and you know talk about something different
0: yeah, no. We I, we started doing. My wife and I brought. Uh, my wife gave me this idea a couple of years ago. I I started on my birthday a few years back. Now this is now our we're going into our third year of doing it, and uh, um, it's literally just just right after the, the the time we had you on was when we started it, and um, got into it just because I wanted to do something again, to your point, different about the show, and it was a way of talking about people's passion, something that they're passionate about because I think everyone has something. Mm-hmm. Um. And, you know, even if it's a passing interest or if it changes or anything, some people are just really ardently passionate about certain things, but it, it's a really great way of giving back, which is a part of every week. And I'll, I'll, later tonight, I'll be making a, a small, a small donation in your honor for bringing this up to well, the ocean cleanup. You. So
1: what has been your, I mean, I guess you don't want to say favorite charity because all charities, most charities are good, but something that's been meaningful you, meaningful to you that someone has brought to your attention on the show
0: um that's a great question um thank you for asking that um i don't think it's been and this is going to sound like such a political answer um i don't think it's one in specifically that was really my favorite but it's but that's to the point i made earlier what's been really great is how surprising like tonight just when you named it i was like really cool we've never talked about oceans and i would not have I would have not have associated you with that with that kind of that kind of passionate uh you know idea for you. So um I think it's been been surprising to see what people pick. Uh your uh, your former colleague over there at STG Sean Williams had a really great one. He's like, "Hmm, let me think about it when I when I posed him with the question because he was saying, "Well, I use my, you know, his family does a lot of private giving, but he's like, "Hey, and he selected this, you know, very local like homeless shelter that he that he donates, that he donates uh, money and time to on occasion and everything. We, we had this, this great discussion around, um, you know, around you know, the homelessness issue and things like that. And it just, it brought off a really, really good discussion. We've talked about hunger on the show, which I think is a a really overshadowed problem in the world today, mm-hmm. specifically in this country. Um, You know, you know, everyone talks about the starving children in Africa and that's terrible. And, and in third world countries, it's awful. It really is, but there, there, it's it's scary how many children in this country, in this country, go don't have access
1: to yeah, and in in the food deserts we have where people don't have anything within you know thirty miles of where they live to even have access to a decent grocery store or something that isn't processed or quick. mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it is a huge problem. It's a huge problem. Hunger's in the United States. And it's, yeah. And I agree with you that I don't think people talk about it enough. Cause I think I want to say people aren't aware or they don't care, but I think it's just one of those things because it's not in our faces. It's easy to forget about.
0: Well, believe it. I mean, uh, listen, I'm uh, t- this is a first world problem. I have a car that works and I have a job that pays me enough money to drive to it, but like it's 15 minutes to the closest grocery store from where I live now uh because mm-hmm. we live out in the country and and believe me i feel that it's like wow you know i can't just hop into the car or walk down the street to the local whatever yeah um it is um so i, I mean yeah they it, it's a believable thing for people who won't have the means yeah to be able to get that so it's exactly
1: exactly you know it's like okay 15 minutes by car inconvenient but you have the means maybe people their car is not working. They're not getting groceries delivered. I mean, yeah, it's a real problem.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that was our charity segment for the night. So check out the Ocean Cleanup. I posted the link in the chat. I'll be posting in the show notes later. Great charity. uh, Really fantastic. Very interesting. Very informational. You definitely want to check it out. So good stuff. Um, Good stuff. So check it out. So the Ocean Cleanup. um, I'm going to say this wrong. Is it a .org? I want to totally just phone. no it's, it's, a, dot org, it's yeah. a dot com no the ocean cleanup dot com? Dot com. yeah definitely european <laughs> 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 not a dot org the oceancleanup.com. uh check it out you can donate on the website uh, again oceans and rivers uh and just some just educate yourself a little bit this is some interesting stuff i was reading up on it before after you told me about it so hadn't hadn't heard of it um we need to need to focus more on the oceans for sure All Right. well getting back to um just a couple more questions about your, you know, the future of AJ Fernandez with you in yeah, yeah. your role. And then we have a couple more fun segments to kind of close out the show, but um, you know, with, um, with some of the changes that, uh, that that you will be in charge of making in, 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 in this direction and everything, what does that, what does that mean for like what we've uh what we've seen, like you talked about the event landscape changing now that you might, that might've been narrowed to just like the STG experience that you were very much a part of, but would you say as a whole, cause I've heard this, would you say as a whole that the event landscape has changed uh, post COVID?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it changed at STG and I've talked to a lot of people from other manufacturers like, yeah, man, a lot of events would come back after COVID, but they're just, They're a little sluggish, like people don't want to hang out as long or, you know, accounts are saying, well, we do better with in-store promotions, or if we're going to do event, it has to be, it has to be an event that is meaningful. Don't just come in and stand behind the counter and, you know, throw cigars at people, you know, make it an experience. So I guess more so as a, as a redaction, I don't want to say that people aren't interested in events, but they want, in my experience, they want events that people can attend and say, oh, wow, that, that was, that was different. It was meaningful. I learned something, I gained something. So just creating more of an experience as opposed to just, you know, being there, handing out cigars.
0: Let's talk about that a little bit. Um, because I think when, when events first started taking place, um, I had Fabian Ziegler on the show years ago and he was, good guy. it's, yeah, it's, he would never, he would never claim this cause he's, he's a pretty humble guy. We're talking about humble individuals in the industry. Um, but it, it's widely regarded that he created the modern day event. And, and he, he was with Drew Estate for 20 years. Um, and, uh, and it became this thing and, and it kind of exploded with, you know, other brands taking kind of taking charge of it. And it's kind of changed a little bit here and there, but for the most part, I mean, most people still consider an event where the rep shows up, puts a table down, puts the boxes on, and like you said, kind of throws cigars at people or educates people on the brand. And I think brand education is a cool thing. You said that's a big part of what you're going to be doing. Mm-hmm. But I think there's there's ways to do it differently. Um, and I thought you did you did a really cool job at your time in Macanudo bringing the tobacco to the forefront where you guys would do the Fumas and everything. Is there plans to do that with AJ Or are you going to, are you looking to do something completely different, even revolutionize it even more?
1: You know, and it's a good question and, you know, we're not sure yet. And obviously, you know, what we did with Macanudo was successful for Macanudo, but I also don't want to, you know, leave one company and then just go and do the same thing. That's not really fair to either company, right? I I figured
0: as much, but yeah.
1: Um, So I'm not quite sure what that's going to look like yet. You know, we, we really, the main thing is we want to, again, just bring more of an interactive educational experience to people in the stores. What that looks like yet, not entirely sure, still working on it, but uh, yeah, hopefully we can do do some sort of like, not everybody can get down to the factory, right? You know, bring a little, just a little snippet of maybe an aspect of the factory to the store. So, you know, there's there's an understanding, you know, whether it be focusing on aging or fermentation or whatever it may be. So yeah, it won't be the same. but something in the vein of interactive and educational.
0: I, I want to put a spotlight on this world because I want to, I, I want to give you some credit where credit's due on something because it, well, you're, you're still in this exploratory discovery phase of what you're, what you want that experience to be. Like, I don't want, I, I, I because if there's one constant in this world, it's that people hate change.
1: <laughs> it's true.
0: But there's also, you know, the definition of uh, to go along with that, the definition of insanity is continuing to do the same thing and expecting different results. Right. Yes. So, um, so I, I think, I, I think that there's definitely, there needs to be this kind of discovery phase for you to find out what, what ways could be revolutionized in order to bring that unique experience to bring people to AJ, like you said, bring the factory experience to the local cigar shop. I think that's, I think that's one of the biggest challenges that faces you guys, you know, as a whole, because it is different. And I think that I think that is something that lacks an understanding. Because if you go into most cigar shops, you know, even the most educated smokers really don't know how a cigar is put together. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that that's a that's a pretty unique challenge in a sense. Like they understand that there's a roller, they understand that there's a wrapper, a binder, a filler now. They understand the different regions where tobaccos grow the, again these are educated smokers right not the everyday guy who's like hey just give me that cigar that's on the shelf but yeah um but i I think there there's also what which kind of leading me to my second part we were going to talk about tonight and we talked to, we touched a little bit on this on your first your first appearance and and that's women in the industry um I think that there there's this glaring um misconception that um, women don't smoke cigars when they, uh, every cigar shop that I've ever been in has women smokers. Uh, I've been a retailer, so I've seen regular women smokers that come in you know, daily. Um, but while there's not many women in your position, which is really great that you're doing this, that's not great that there's a lack of them. It's great that you're doing this, but, um, women make this industry move. Most most yep. people, yeah, at the factory level, you know most employees are women
1: it's true, it's true, I mean, and you know there's women doing certain jobs, I mean, can't remember if we've talked about this, but you know where even something as simple as seeing color more vividly and having women only doing the sorting of the tobacco, mm-hmm. um, both coming in from the fields and then also getting placed in the boxes. Because even though you're doing the same processes, like any agricultural product, there's going to be variations. So being mm-hmm. able to open a box and see that every cigar is the same color, those are selected by women because women see colors more vividly. Mm-hmm. And you know the teams of rollers and yeah, sorters. And I mean, it really is at its core, a a woman-driven industry that I think people don't think about. And we're a rising segment that I don't want to say are ignored, but I just don't think there's been a lot of investment in it overall.
0: No, I would absolutely agree with that. I think that, I think there's been some very, you know, you know, even the generation prior to you, like I think there was some very prominent women in this industry that, directed this industry in a really great way that were that kind of figurehead you know Cynthia Fuente comes to mind Janine Perdomo played a huge mm-hmm. plays a huge still continues to play a huge role over at Perdomo um but even the younger generation that I would say like you for example uh Lana uh over at uh, Davidoff yeah yeah is also she she's done incredible things for that company uh where they're you're you know you're a face of a certain aspect of the job, and you're more customer facing, which again is is, is perfect for the, this point that we're trying to drive home. But um, like you said about like, there's only certain jobs that they do, and they, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of women cigar rollers too. That's mm-hmm. pretty mixed on on yeah. some, if you look at any like rolling floor, it's pretty mixed. But like in the sorting room specifically, it's almost all women. I think that's a really underappreciated thing because, like you said, you open up a box of cigars and you know, I think people take it for granted that, uh, I mean, all the cigars are identical. Like yeah. it's, it's cre- I mean, credible consistency by the, the growing and fermenting and curing of the tobacco, but also someone's got to put it in the box.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you do the same exact process for every growing season, you know, every leaf, every batch, whatever, but, there's always going to be some inconsistencies, right? So, you know, you open a box of cigars and everything in there is exactly the same. But six months later, you might open a box of cigars and everything in there is exactly the same. But if you compare the two, the hues might be a little bit different.
0: So have you, here, here's, a, here's an interesting question. I want to put my little fingers up in quotations. Have you, and I'm sure you have, but so again, another leading question, but have you ever felt like a woman in the industry? Like that's been the label?
1: Oh, hundred percent.
0: How do you feel about that?
1: I mean, it's a loaded question because I think to some degree you can use it to your advantage. It's like, okay, well, maybe you're paying attention to me because you think I'm interesting or unique because you don't see a lot of women in the industry. And now I have your ear and I can, you know, (laughs) impart something upon you or, you know, get something out of this transaction, you know, whatever it may be. But yeah, I mean I, I think if I can make any sort of small positive impact on the cigar industry, it would be to, you know, maybe help change the landscape of like not thinking of a cigar smoker and then a woman cigar smoker, but just as cigar smokers overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a a woman first, but just a lover of cigars or somebody who's knowledgeable about cigars. Um, that would be ideal. I mean, I'm not gonna Obviously, incriminate anybody, but I, I cannot tell you how many times I've walked into a cigar shop when people are like, "Oh, how do you recommend that I speak with a, a female cigar smoker?" You know, how how do I approach? That? I'm like, like anybody else who walks through your door, like, um, like and a I person, just, yeah, yeah. And I just, I don't, I just don't want that to be the label. Is like, oh, you're a you're a woman in the industry. Like, I just want to be in the industry. But I guess if it mm-hmm. helps move the needle for you know towards the positive for inclusion, that's fine. Yeah.
0: I And we had this discussion the first time we were on the show. I remember the first, the first time I ever met you at, at, at the IPCPR trade show at the time. And I remember walking away from, because again, you weren't known to me, even though I think you'd been in the role for at least a couple of years at that point. Um, but I remember walking away thinking it was more of like this this that big educational experience from a Macanudo standpoint, like I didn't know that much about Macanudo. You really just filled my head with a lot of, a lot of fantastic content and great and interesting stuff. And I remember walking away from that conversation, really enlightened about Macanudo and then, and, but I'm still guilty as charged here. But then I remember refl- reflexively looking back on it and being like, Oh, that w- it was a unique experience because you don't, you don't see very many women doing what you do yeah and um so guilty is charged over here as well but
1: but it's no i mean it's normal because you just it really is not the you know we are not the dominating gender in the cigar industry so i mean it's not bad that you walked away thinking oh like that was a unique experience because of this I mean the fact that you were cognizant of that and now cognizant of the fact that you thought about that I mean is yeah. you know
0: well again I appreciate you always having my back but like <laughs> and I'm not looking I'm not I'm not looking to get punished by any stretch and I'm, I'm certainly not being an apologist about it but it um but I think to to your credit though I think that 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 is what's really great about, about women in your position and what you're able, and just a person in your position you're able to do is you're able to educate people on whatever you're talking about and bring their perspective. Cause I, you know, we talked about, you know, how you got to this, your last reading of Watergate through a Keith Richards book, which is hilarious, but um, you, 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 you have this incredible drive and passion to, to share with people and and uh Aaron Lewis is never gonna listen to the show because the amount of times that I've said passion today because he hates that word. But um but um all joking aside, I think that um the the knowledge that you pass on to the 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 people that you've that you've people you've encountered over the years and everything has has been a huge positive and is 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 working towards this this end goal that whatever it may be. And hopefully again if it like you said if it inspires people to have more inclusion in it i think it, it it's only going to be a positive and i think it does i think it will because um i, I th- again i think there is this very glaring um association this might even have to do with the revolution of the the event as we talked about it right where we do offer events that cater more towards more towards female smokers because it's not like they're new yeah you know, I had a note here to talk about the rise of, and I mistyped, mistyped my own words because I, I had a note to talk about the rise in female smokers. There's not a rise in female smokers. There's a rise in smokers, cigar yeah. smokers, uh, but there's always been female smokers. And
1: Yeah. And honestly, in my experience, the last, I mean, you figure seven years I've been out on the road. I mean, I was in retail for six years prior and doing this now for, yeah, like six and a half, almost seven Which is crazy. (laughs) And you were
0: one of three in the shop, too, when you were in retail, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was
1: one of three when I started. Good memory. And then it was down to two, and then it was just me. But my experience over the years has been, it seems like women are getting more comfortable walking into a shop on their own, you know, it used to be like coming in with another group of women or coming in with a significant other or just coming in and buying something and leaving. But now, I mean, I have personally seen more women coming in on their own, being able to, you know, articulate what they want. And I don't, that doesn't come from a, a place of women not knowing what they're talking about. But I just, I think there's a little bit of a hesitancy to ask too many questions when you're there because you don't want to come off seeming like, oh, you know, I'm just here and I don't know anything. And, you know, I think sometimes it can open the door to maybe a conversation that, I don't know, I don't want to say can be patronizing, but like, it, anyway, I could get down a whole but, rabbit hole about this, but, but, what, you a, know, but it, what a shame it, that
0: is though. But that's, I think that's, I think that's with anybody though.
1: yeah There's oh, so yeah, many yeah.
0: uneducated yes. people that come into a cigar shop and they feel there's this, there's, and I'm sure it's, I'm not, I'm not that naive. I'm sure it's, it's much worse for women um, because it's like you said, that's, it is male dominated, right? It's got to be intimidating in a sense of like, can I ask questions? What are the right questions? I don't want to look stupid. Yeah. I don't want And I, I think there's a lot of that on both sides of the gender aisle, but it's got, you know, I can't speak from personal experience. I'm not a woman, it, but it, I, I have to imagine that it, it's, it's challenging. It's challenging for, for especially for new female smokers to to be able to ask those questions, so I, you probably did add that that degree of comfort, which kind of leads me to my my last question on this topic, though. You know, like you said, it probably wasn't unique to you because you you grew up in the industry in a in a retail environment where there were other women working alongside you. But the first time, like you went down to the factories and you saw how many women were involved, did that did that did that set you back? Did that surprise you or? Were you that honestly, much in yeah. the new? Okay. No,
1: I mean, I didn't know how, I guess, I didn't really think about it, if that makes sense, you know, before going down there. So actually my, my first factory trip was with Perdomo when I was on the retail side. Um, and, you know, going down there and honestly, that's where, you know, I first learned about like the color sorting and the role that women play. And, you know, to their credit, they really put that information out there to talk about how important women were you know, on the, the manufacturing side, it was like, oh, wow, this is a, this is like 50, 50 down here. If not female dominated.
0: It's crazy. It's unbelievable. And I, I love it, man. I, I think that's you know, for, um, and, and that's where I kind of like, it's, it's really interesting because this is a very women dominated industry. It's also a minority dominated industry and nobody talks yes. about that.
1: Yeah. 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 You know. I mean, you know, I guess to recap, it seems in the 12 whatever years I've been in cigars to some capacity, it seems like the landscape for inclusion has changed to the positive. And it seems like there's enough information out there, whether people are looking online for tutorial videos or, you know, whatever, maybe somebody they can relate to and feel comfortable getting information from um, and just shops being more open to having a conversation with someone as a smoker as opposed to, you know, I guess putting a gender on it. But it seems to me, my experience has been that it's uh, it's been changing for the positive. And it does seem like there's some companies out there really trying to make an initiative to be more inclusive. And mm-hmm. that, it's so funny, like I've done a couple of women's only events and guys are like, oh, well, why can't we come? Like you get every other day, you yeah. get every other event, you know, let people be in an environment where they feel comfortable. I mean, I did an event, I did a women's only event in St. Louis and I wasn't really sure what it was going to be. I th- originally, I was thinking it was going to be like a standard Fuma tasting event that we were doing with Macanudo. And I got there and, you know, some of these women started asking me questions, even stuff about like, how do you, what's the different type of a cut? What is it? What difference does it make? You know, how do I discard a cigar? You know, even something as simple as like setting it on the side of the ashtray or you know, smashing it in, which is obviously a big no, no. Um, and just, you know, basic questions. And some of them are like, oh, well, you know, thank you for answering these. These are it's questions that I never felt comfortable asking a store or asking someone else. Cause I didn't want to come off as like, you know, naive or, you know, be, you know, be met with criticism because I didn't know. And it's just like, you don't know what people don't know. And just whether it be me or anyone else, you know, offering somebody like a safe space to ask questions and mm-hmm. not make them feel like it's a stupid question. That's the really, that's just really the big thing. Whether my, it be someone who's young, they're newly 20. I almost said newly 18, newly 21.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> walking
1: through the door, trying to figure it out.
0: My, my two biggest pet peeves is working in retail where the, were the people who would put their cigar in their mouth and then use the community cutter. That yeah. was one. The second one was the people who would smash their, smash their cigar yes. and grind it out. Yes. And I, I would immediately pull the ashtray and I would dump it and people were like, Oh, that cigar wasn't, that ashtray wasn't full yet. I'm like, yeah, but that, no, it's, I was like, there's something about the smell of a cigar that's been smashed out as opposed to just like the overall aroma of cigars and ash that. It just doesn't smell good. <laughs> no, <laughs> just no, it's someone
1: uh, is someone who had to clean the ashtrays, trying to scrape that shit out of the bottom. Oh god, especially yeah. white ashtrays, and you start to discolor it. And I think you know, cigarette smokers, like they smash out the cigarette. Yeah,
0: that's so where it that's comes just from.
1: you know what people—it's the norm, it's what people know. I'm like, no.
0: It's the same when <laughs> flicking off the ash. The people that you can tell—you can tell a cigarette smoker in a in a cigar shop uh, very easily. that people who are constantly flicking and ashing.
1: Oh my god, uh, I was smoking with somebody the other day, and they were not not a cigar smoker as like a real a real hobby it's just very very minor you know like for a year and he just kept like he would take a puff and then roll the ash and then take a puff and roll the ash and i was like just fucking leave it alone <laughs> yeah it's it starting to drive me crazy but i'm not gonna like criticize the way you're smoking but yeah it's just... like
0: i can't even focus on the conversation <laughs> i'm just no, looking at you doing this yeah um yeah, those were those were my those were my two biggest ones. Um, I don't and
1: honestly, one of my biggest ones at retail was people judging what other people smoked. Like, oh, you're smoking a flavored cigar, or oh, you're smoking something mild, or like, oh, you're smoking something that's a bundle cigar only three dollars. Like, whatever. Let people smoke; yeah, what makes them shut, happy.
0: Shut the fuck up, man. Unless you want to buy them a cigar, don't criticize what they what they buy. That's so stupid. No, yeah. the I I there was so there's I've I've said this uh, I've said this live. A couple of times and i have so much respect for nesta miranda and the people of miami cigar and what they've done with tatiana and everything it's the only cigar that just churns my stomach i can't be in the presence of it it's just too overpowering it's yeah. the groovy blue
1: that's the one
0: i can't do it i can't be around i can't smoke it and i can't be around it it just it gets there's something about that the the, the, the aroma and the flavor that just gets in my gut and it just stays there and it's not a pleasant feeling. And that's yeah. me personally. It's they're incredibly popular. Oh, yeah. Jason and, and Nestor, they don't need me to like that cigar. They do fine. <laughs> um, but I just I just can't be and like, but like anytime someone would buy it, I would cringe because and then I would go in the humidor and I would start working so that I didn't yeah. have to smell it. Like I could well, you just, always smell it. Yeah. It doesn't Doesn't matter matter
1: if there's a thousand people in a room smoking, you're going to smell that one
0: cigar. We could have a, we, you could have a Drew estate event or a, 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 they're all smoking Liga Provada number nines or an AJ Fernandez. And they're all smoking Enclave broadleafs and Bayes Arctis Maduro. And you could smell that thing from two counties over.
1: Yes. It's crazy.
0: It's so nuts.
1: Well, and some of the aromas of flavored cigars are pleasant. Like, I mean, I wouldn't categorize myself as a flavored cigar smoker. I enjoy them occasionally, um, mm-hmm. depending on what it is. But I like the the stuff that's a little bit more subtle, not super, super heavy. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of the smells can be pleasant. But yeah, there's there's a couple offenders out there. We're like, oh, this is too intense. Yeah.
0: Well, the M Bourbon was like that too. Like the like the taste is distinctly flavored, quote unquote. Yeah. But the aroma of it has a very it, it, it's not pungent
1: no no honestly none of the m's really had a super pungent flavor you know the original one like the coffee probably most but it almost just smelled kind of sweet it didn't really have like a super descriptive yeah. smell to it it wasn't offensive
0: yeah absolutely yeah it didn't it didn't it didn't ward off people for sure um yeah but um but that that that's the this the, the, the other story i love telling about the groovy blue i remember I was talking to one of my uh, one of my uh, coworkers, and she was on the other side of the counter, and we were having this conversation. And I could smell it; I could smell the groovy blue. And I was like, "Oh God, I got to get out of here!" But I was like, "Where is that coming from?" Because there it was. A, it was a slower night; it was like a Tuesday. It was a slower night. There weren't very many people in the shop. but Like, who's smoking a groovy blue? And I was, I felt like I was telling crazy pills because she's like, "I smell it too." And I was like, "And there were two people next to us; neither one was smoking it." We looked in ashtrays; we couldn't find anything. I was I looked in the back of the shop, couldn't I was like, no, I was like, I smell it. It's so crazy. We had found Laura of hilarious. I had ashed my cigar in the ashtray by the register where I was talking to her, and there was a little bit of an amber on my ash. Someone had cut their groovy blue into that ashtray it and ignited it ignited it. The amber touched. The piece of groovy wrapper, and that's what I was smelling. That was Damn.
1: insane.
0: <laughs> I was like, I was like, that's unbelievable. That it's unbelievable. But it bravo to them for coming up with something so distinct. You know, sincerely. Yeah,
1: like you said, it is popular and it's
0: incredibly powerful. Popular. And
1: yeah. I definitely, I've said this before. Everyone wants to shit on flavored cigars. You know, it's like uncool to smoke a flavored cigar. They're also what, incredibly acid, popular. Acid Cuba. So. So. <laughs> Cuba was the number one selling cigar for how long? I mean, you know, Probably whether people is, are yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think there's a lot more people who smoke flavored cigars in the comfort of their own home and don't advertise it to people than care to admit because Oh yeah. I mean, the fla- the flavored cigar game definitely uh,
0: thousand percent. is big,
1: but it's like nobody wants to admit. They're, it.
0: <laughs> they're like people who they're the, they're the people who drive mopeds. They don't want to talk about it.
1: Whoa, I have a <laughs> moped and I love it.
0: I know, yeah, right? you just be proud of it it's, they're fun I'm, I'm not dogging on mopeds i just the I, most, most. and most people don't that's the thing they'll think they'll ride around on those things, those things they think they're fun but no one's gonna walk around and say it
1: no here <laughs> here it is i don't know if you can see it it's orange
0: oh that's awesome <laughs> i did i you know what i honestly didn't even know that that's that that's that was just pulled out from nowhere that's crazy i have
1: a motorcycle and my scooter my scooter has these stupid like uh, cabby beads on them because the and it looks ridiculous and I have like these dumb hippie flowers on it but people are like oh you have cabby beads on your scooter I was like that vinyl seat gets hot in the Nashville heat <laughs> I'm like need to I need of, to keep it cool and rolling
0: what kind of motorcycle do you drive
1: um, I have a Moto Guzzi V7 oh
0: cool does so your it, d- does your husband ride he does because I remember the picture from your wedding not to be creepy. <laughs> but it was from from your Facebook. From he was on a he was on a bike. Yeah, in one of the so,
1: yeah, that's the bike he still has. It's a different color now. He got it wrapped, um, and it's actually sitting next to it. But it's impossible to try to turn my laptop around that way. Plus, you do not want to see my garage because my husband does um, like scooter repairs as a hobby. He buys like dilapidated scooters from Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist and then <laughs> fixes them and then sells them because he just enjoys working on small engines like scooters in particular. So we currently have six motor two-wheeled vehicles in the garage right now Oh (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah we we both ride the the goosey i've had since got it in 2014 or 2015 um but it's like a kind of vintagey cafe style racer so if you know the triumph thruxton it's a similar body style but yeah it's great
0: that's cool we're gonna we'll, we'll bring you back we'll we'll have a little bit more of this to talk about because'm I'm, I'm fascinated by that that's really cool um so let's move into uh the sec uh we've got three more segments to close out the show and this one's called our this or that uh and I said we were gonna kind of stepped on one just uh, at the top of the show but we'll we'll kind of go into it anyway so it's very easy this or that Laura I'm gonna give you two things you just pick one or the other okay and talk about why so meant to be like a rapid fire so this or that uh, you spent a lot of time in Milwaukee. So beer, a beer in Milwaukee or a whiskey in Nashville, your new home. Beer beer in Milwaukee. What beer are we drinking in Milwaukee?
1: Mm, there is a beer from Lakefront called the Big Easy, which is a Mybach. Uh it's an Imperial MyBok they do around um uh Mardi Gras. Oh my God. So I could not remember. Oh, like, this time of year. Oh, I'm thinking, so I yeah, I'm thinking Fat Tuesday. I'm like, what is Fat Tuesday associated with Mardi Gras? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not honestly a huge whiskey drinker. I've embraced it a little bit more since I've been down here. Um, I was actually doing a podcast um, with Steve Crane, uh, Tinderbox, Bourbon and BS, and he had gotten a Bellmead bourbon. I mean, I know bourbon and whiskey are not one and the same, but he gotten a Bellmead bourbon in honor of me having recently moved to Nashville. And I actually went and picked up a bottle because I enjoyed it so much. So I'm trying to get more into the the whiskey bourbon world, but you know, at heart, more of a beer gal. Can take the girl out of Wisconsin, but not the Wisconsin, not Wisconsin out of the girl.
0: There you go. <laughs> All right. Some of these are cigar related, some are not. So this is a cigar related one. Would you? Rather smoke a Churchill or a Figurato? Figurato. What, what is it about that size that uh, you gravitate towards?
1: I like the, I mean, I like a thinner Vitola overall, but I like the the size of the cap in general. Plus a Figurato is more difficult to roll. And when they're done well, I think it's just such a fun smoking experience because um, you have the more skilled rollers who are working on them and it just, you know, it, it burns differently. And when you get a really well-rolled one, which I would say for the most part, I haven't had any Figueroa issues. It's just, it's very unique.
0: It's a different, story if you're talking about the, within a blend, if you're smoking through a blend through all the potatoes, yeah. it's a yeah. different experience. I, I agree. I'm very harsh on torpedoes and Figurados. Uh, I'm very, very hard on them because I think there are some that aren't done well, but when mm-hmm. they're done well.
1: Yes. They're, that's they're the stipulation. Pretty, and yeah. plus like we talked about, I'm a slow smoker. I don't want to sit through a freaking church <laughs> Like that's gonna take me three hours.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that vitola. Like you said to you, to you, what you're talking about with I like a thinner gauge too. I, but not many are being made. Frankly, anymore. no, they're not. It's, it's, they're it's not. A di- it's it's a size that's really that's really dying. People are more gravitating towards the Toro if they want a bigger smoke. The Gordo they want a bigger oh, smoke. It.
1: Toro is the size that's going to rule it all. I mean, if the cigar industry had to come to a consensus, if we could say we are only keeping one size for everybody forever, Toro. And Toro.
0: Yeah, thousand percent. Yeah. All right. On to travel. Would you rather travel by plane or train?
1: Plane.
0: For 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 speed, or are you just like being in the air? Um, bus-
1: so I think. One for speed, two for access. You know, you can get more places in a plane. And honestly, I find I find flying very relaxing. I know people hate turbulence, but I like a little bit of the up and down. It's very comfortable. I like the window seat. I get my best reading done. Flying is very relaxing to me, which is probably something I've had to adopt over the years, <laughs> embracing flying as much as I have. But I do enjoy it actually.
0: It, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned the readings i I found that most of, some of my most memorable readings have been on trains. Actually. Oh,
1: really? Okay. Yeah,
0: which is I love trains. I also love trains, though. I love trains. I and do if, too. if I didn't have to be somewhere quickly, I would take a train everywhere. I would. Yeah, I just that.
1: I think if I live more in an area where you could access things by trains conveniently, maybe I would feel differently. Oh man, I was on a cool train ride in Peru. We were going from Aguas Calientes to, I think it was Cusco when I was um, doing Machu Picchu, and they had like the panoramic roof to it so you could see all of the topography like you know you're in the mountains and it's just it was absolutely beautiful so being on the train and having you know your your side windows but also like the panoramic view was just absolutely incredible
0: that's awesome awesome all right uh black or white and we're in just in everything or in clothing or i mean like what what is
1: um yeah. I mean, I guess clothing, I, I, very seldom wear white, you know, whether it's just the cigar oils or a propensity for spilling on myself. I don't know. Uh, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a majority of my, my wardrobe is black. You know, my, my bicycle is black. You know, most of the things I've had over the years, you know, the cigar sizes. industry and, is
0: obsessed with black. So, I mean, yeah,
1: it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's just, it's just easier. It's a better color.
0: Yeah. I had um, this is, I hate white clothing. This is a really hard thing for me to pick, but I had I don't like black because I for years I had w- just white haired dogs and that stuff mm, got everywhere. And so, like, every time it. I put a black shirt on, and it's it's inevitably just has it looks like it's dirty. Yeah, it's just all the all the all the fur that just got around my house. All right. Uh, speaking of reading, let's take away the book.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's look at this a little bit differently. So, audiobook or ebook?
1: Oh, audiobook. Me too. Yeah. I like wanna, e-book as an e-reader?
0: Like an e-reader, yeah.
1: Yeah, oh, I, I,
0: yeah I can't do it. Embrace
1: the Kindle. No, I know. My husband's always on me like, Laurel, you need to write a Kindle for when you travel. And I was like, I don't want one. You know, I really don't do audiobooks either. I mean, I don't think, to be honest with you, I've ever listened to a full audiobook, but I would be more inclined to do that than to use an e-reader.
0: Um, I like I like listening to this is. Just kind of shows me what a, shows what a big nerd I am. I like reading a book and then listening to it because I like seeing if my voice in my head is any similar to the person reading it. I know that's oh, that makes weird.
1: sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm definitely an audiobook person. Okay, uh, a little bit more fun here. Ninjas or pirates?
1: Pirates.
0: Although particular? I feel like
1: ninjas inherently are better people. Pirates are more. Fun. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, but you don't. You, but just you don't see drinking a lot of rum, and I, I see a lot of pirates drinking rum. So that'd be a little bit more the, fun.
1: The pirate's life doesn't seem like a bad life. Live on a yeah. boat, drink a bunch of rum, be out on the yeah. ocean. Hopefully, a clean ocean. <laughs> Circling back, <laughs> being out in the, the sun, Buried treasure. I mean, yeah, people just, shit running yeah. around on islands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm into it.
0: Uh, back to cigars. Lighting a cigar with a match or a cedar spell. This may seem like oh, the same thing. I'm definitely a match guy. I have matches all the time. I have a lighter here too, but
1: yeah, I mostly use, I mean, honestly, if I have the choice between a lighter and a match, I'll take a lighter cause it's easier, but I'm not one of those light, the cedar, light, the match to light, the cedar to light the cigar. That's just too complicated. I don't need yeah. to go through those steps.
0: Yeah. The cedar spell seems redundant. I don't assume, yeah Cause like it doesn't, there's no self lighting mechanism on it, which means you have to find a light to light the cedar. Spell. Exactly. To light the cigar, exactly. It's like, it's like I get it, I do, but at the same time, it's just redundant. It's just no. I'm with you. Match all the way. Yeah. Um. So we were talking about we we're talking about Valentine's Day at the very top of the show, and you're telling us your story about chocolates. So yes. So on Valentine's Day, would you rather receive chocolates? This is why I said you stepped on it. Would you rather receive chocolates or flowers?
1: Oh, chocolates, hundred percent. Flowers, still chocolates. Chocolate. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Flowers die. <laughs> <laughs> I feel guilty throwing them out because it's like, oh, you know, Alex got them for me and they're beautiful and now I have to throw them away. Chocolate. I was just to say,
0: do you, does your husband get you flowers?
1: He does. And it's he's actually very sweet because he times it when he knows I'm going to be home. Because if I'm coming home on a Friday and then I'm leaving again on a Monday, you know, the flowers, I'm going to see them for two days and then they're going to die. So it's like, oh, I know you're coming home on a Friday and you're, you're home for two weeks. So he'll get me flowers when he knows I'm going to be home for an extended amount of time to enjoy them so it's actually actually very thoughtful that is
0: very thoughtful sweet. that's a little bit more thought i gotta be honest that's more thought than i've ever put into it i get my wife flowers all the time she loves them um my son loves to get her flowers which is really cute
1: that is cute he's
0: he's seven and when we're in the store can we get mommy flowers
1: it is i don't want to be like callous about them but we both kind of agree that I don't want to say they're a waste of money, but like I guess you could spend your money on things that don't die. Um, So he he really prides himself on finding like beautiful discount flowers. Like he he really no like he won't buy flowers that aren't on sale, and he'll come home. I was like, oh, these are really nice. He's like, these were on clearance today. Yeah. He's like, I only spent seven dollars. Only five five ninety
0: nine for you, sweetie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like hell yeah, baby! You got those on discount. (laughs) It's like you know. How, like, how beautiful flowers can I find on sale? And he does a really good job.
0: That's awesome. All right, sticking with the theme of uh, of Valentine's Day, would you rather go uh, dancing or uh, to a romantic dinner?
1: Mm, Dancing for sure.
0: Is there a particular dance that you like to do?
1: Mm, Not really. Um, I actually started taking. Very different realms, but I started taking some hip hop classes and actually some bachata classes. Um, mm. I like both. I just honestly, I just like dancing. Um, there's a lot of discos in Nashville, and it's great because Alex does not like dancing. So I've got a lot of friends here who are like, You want to go to a disco? I'm like, Hell yeah, I want to go to disco. So I guess dancing in a room with a bunch of other people looking like idiots dancing is my favorite kind of dancing, regardless of what style it is.
0: Did you guys have a first dance that you We did what would you guys dance to just curious
1: um never tear us apart uh by nxs
0: oh that's awesome you gotta tell coop that next time you talk to coop he's a big nxs guy nice yeah all right um so um i believe this is the last one yes this is the last question um of this or that uh so i know you have tattoos yes (laughs) you have i believe you have piercings on your you have your nose pierced too don't you that did. is
1: brand new.
0: That's brand new? Okay.
1: Yes. That is like less than a week old.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't know why I thought you had a nose piercing before. Anyway, so yeah. uh, my, so, okay. Well, taking that into account that you just got that, uh, will you would you get another tattoo or would you get another piercing?
1: Oh, 100% another tattoo. I w- I would not get another piercing. One, I don't need another one because I'm like, I have a couple on my ears and then now my nose. And that's like literally the only thing I wanted to do. Tattoos. There's always more. There's always room for more. So I have my whole left sleeve done. And I have just one. That's on my new right.
0: too, right? Since, I mean, since I first met you, like that you've built, you've built on that. Oh left yeah, arm.
1: that, that expanded during COVID. <laughs> um, you know, I would get a couple more. I, I kind of have spots in a perfect world of like, okay, the end tattoo result would be, you know, this, that, that, and that. And it wouldn't be, you know, for me overdone. So more tattoos, no more piercings.
0: I, I want this question to be asked as respectfully as possible, but oh, I'm not, but I'm not, because I'm not really interested in getting naughty or anything like that, uh, especially since I'm married and you are as well. Um, are tattoos more like, would you ever get a tattoo that's not readily visible? Like, is it, it's more, more, it gives you more internal satisfaction or are you more about showcasing the art? So to speak, is that, if that, that makes sense?
1: Oh yeah. And it does. And that's definitely more of it. I mean, I actually, it's funny that you asked that because in the placements that, you know, I see myself adding tattoos moving forward, it's all places that I can see because I want to appreciate it and enjoy it. It's like, okay, I don't want to put one on my back and not be able to see it. And that's fine if other people can see it, but maybe selfishly I'm spending the money and the time, you know, the healing, whatever. And I want to be able to see it. And, you know, I'm so happy with my my sleeve on my left and you know, actually my favorite part is like right here and I don't get to see it that often because I just, I'm not looking at that part of my arm, but I feel like doing my hair or something I'm like, oh, that could, looks so nice. Could you
0: roll it up? Could we see it? Yeah, S- yeah. Said it's your favorite um, part.
1: But I, I definitely, I currently only have tattoos in places that you can see them and moving forward, I will only have tattoos in places you can see them because I also want to enjoy them.
0: And um, I, I hope that was a respect. No, 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 question, no. So. so
1: there's like this part here where, I don't know how
0: well it's, oh, it's, it. No, that, yeah, it's a beautiful design.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah.
0: I know that yeah. a lot of, a lot of, uh, especially people who have sleeves and so, I, I don't have any tattoos, so forgive the ignorance, but I know a lot of people who do a lot of sleeves are, it's very Asian influenced. Uh, what what would you say is the influence of the design that you picked for your sleeve?
1: Uh, it's a little bit of a hodgepodge because the first one that I got ever uh, is a half sleeve on top and it's actually a watercolor. It's a watercolor rendition of my favorite Salvador Dali painting. Um so that styling is a little bit different than the rest. Um, I would say the best way to describe the rest of it would be line work or like modern like line work because it's it's not asian influenced it's it's more like floral, um, and then I have a mandala, so yeah, I guess like new age line work would be okay. the the category. Okay
0: um.
1: And then I have a traditional American traditional on this arm.
0: Yeah. My wife actually, my wife has tattoos. I don't, like I said, um, but, but she actually just recently got two new ones. Uh, and uh, I think she's, she said, she's, I don't want to speak for her. I think she said she's done for a while, but she, on her forearm, she got her grandfather's handwriting. Oh, cool. Her grandfather means so much to her. He's no longer with us, but uh, it's his handwriting. And he's German. He was, Ger- he, he is German, West German. She's German. Um, and it's, uh, I love you, Ichklebidek, in 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 his handwriting that's on her forearm. Very it's cool. really cool. It's very cool. And then, she, as I mentioned, she's a zookeeper, and she ran into this artist uh, who does these. Speaking of watercolors, does these brilliant watercolors, um, and they she does them on tiles, like you would think, like you know, like a bathroom tile or a kitchen yeah, tile or whatever. And uh, she had one made for my uh, for my dog who passed away in during COVID in 2020, and uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful and she has one of her uh of her penguin so uh penguins are very much like dogs they attach themselves to a human so it's her penguin um and uh this penguin she would do presentations with it and this penguin would literally follow her around like a dog it was the most comical <laughs> thing ever um and um loved her loved her to death and and she's got it on her speaking on the it's got it on her left shoulder it's this beautiful watercolor it's very it's very beautiful uh, I'm Again, I'm I'm personally not into tattoos because I again I don't have any and I probably never will have any. Um but it, they're it's they're really beautiful. I find them incredibly fascinating the people who get them and everything because I think like you said the hodgepodge kind of characteristic that you put on your own um your own designs, I think it tells a lot about a person's personality and I think they're just beautiful. I think it's a really it's a it's a unique way to showcase your appreciation for whatever particular art you're into or uh, you know, people do it for in memoriams and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And there's So it's, there's some cool stuff to it for sure.
1: And it's, you know, it's a way to express yourself and it's, it's you choosing to present yourself in that way. And, you know, not that my friends are like anti-tattoo, but one of my good friends, Samantha was like, well you know, how much thought do you put into them or how much meaning do they have? I'm like, ah, some had meaning to start. And then it's just like, you know, the design builds up and they ended up looking cool. But like, honestly, if it's, I get to a point in 10 years from now or 20 years from now or 40 years from now, where maybe it's not necessarily aligning with me, like something I would get then at that point, 30 years down the road, but it's still important because it's, at that point in my life, it was meaningful to me and I did make that choice. So it's, you know, it helps kind of in that, I don't want to say in like your growth process, but you know, maybe something that means something to you differently down the road, but it still plays an important role in who you become. Mm-hmm. And it, it it meant something to you when you got it.
0: No, I, I could definitely see that. That's a, I, I just, um, with my wife in particular, I, the, the handwriting one was the one that it's probably, she's got three. And it's, it's definitely my favorite, even though it's the most simplistic. Um, because again, it's just honoring a person who, you know, knowing my wife as I have for over almost 20 years now, um, he, he's such a profound, even though I never had the honor of meeting him and he, he he live in Germany. He did. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, he had such an influence on her and just like the stories she's told me about the man, um, incredible individual. Um, we'll talk about it offline a little bit more in detail as at some point, like he's a fascinating individual, but the influence that he's had on her, like I, I thought that was a a wonderful tribute to someone who's just influenced her and become the woman that I love. So yeah. it, it was, it's, it's really great. So cool.
1: Well, oh. and that she had that relationship with him. Not everybody yeah. has that relationship with their grandparents.
0: Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, My grandparents died when I was very young too. Like uh, I never met my, I never met my father's mother. She died when I was about six months old. Uh, I never met my father's father. He died when I was 12, but economics played a huge part in that. He lived in Maine and he never flew down to see us and we couldn't afford to fly up to see him. So I never got to meet him, which was sad. But um, my mother's mother who died when I was 13, I had this wonderful childhood with her, you know? even though like 13 years you know is a very short amount of time but she she again i can appreciate the influence that her grandfather had on her cuz my grandmother had a huge influence on me so it's yeah. um it's pretty cool um but uh going into a, a again more personal segment a little bit too this is has to do with cigars though this is our our uh, asylum moment, which is always brought to you by Asylum Cigars. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylums. Moments like these were made for Asylum Cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. Now, Laurel, this segment is specifically about cigars. We talked about your time in the industry, 12 years now. That has to be such it's got to be a daunting, uh, a daunting number that you put on it too, and it's only obviously going to go up from here. But uh, in that time, I'm, I'm sure you've had dozens of these moments where, as much as you love it being about the community and everything and being around people while you're smoking, you've probably had those moments where it's just you and the cigar, and that's what this segment's about. So, uh, not the most recent, not your favorite, but you know, just one that comes to mind. What was the moment that you? It was just you and the cigar. What were you doing, if you can recall, and what were you smoking, if you can recall? What was that moment about?
1: Um, probably the the last one that really sticks out to me is when we had just moved here. I had always grown up. I mean, I'd always lived within an hour of where I grew up, you know, close to my parents and, you know, my friends and, you know, same thing with my husband. He only, you know, we were only living an hour from where he grew up and, you know, making the move to Nashville from Milwaukee, really for no good reason other than we just wanted to try something different it was really daunting. And it was, it was a very emotional time. I cried a lot, <laughs> you know, prior to the move and, uh, just, you know, cause change is hard, but we obviously had made the decision to do it just because we wanted to try something different and, you know, moving down, it's just, My in-laws helped us, you know, it was a crazy three or four days. We put everything in the trailers, got down. They stayed with us for the weekend, helped us unpack and kind of settle in. And uh, Sundays are kind of my, my alone time. Alex and I have this unspoken rule that he like doesn't leave the bedroom until a certain time. So he, he allows me to have like just some. Some Laurel time on Sunday mornings. And okay. usually I'll I was go, like, and eight.
0: here I am ruining oh, yeah, your yeah. Sunday <laughs> evening. So that's fine.
1: no, 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 no. <laughs> Sunday morning. And uh, that's where my special teapot comes in. And uh, so a lot of times, if I'm up early enough and I kind of get done with everything I want to do um, and it's nice out, I'll go out on the porch and smoke a cigar. So it was the first morning my in laws had left the, the morning before. And uh, it happened to be a Sunday, and Alex was still in bed. And I went out like really early on the patio and we had like one Papasan chair that I had bought on Amazon just to sit out there. And it, we had a flipped over cardboard box for a table that had an ashtray on it because we had been smoking out there with my in-laws because they also smoke cigars. And uh, it was actually a Macanudo Vintage 97 because it was one of my favorites from the line. And I just, it was peaceful and it was a beautiful morning and it was like the calm after the storm. And I just remember sitting there and kind of like all the, the conflicting emotions, had sort of dissolved and it felt comfortable and it felt right. And I was like, okay, this is finally when I can relax and I can kind of process everything. And it just, it was the first time in like four, three or four days that I had really felt good and at ease, just being able to sit there, not to like really make it super poetic, but it was like super early in the morning. It was only like you know 5.30 to 6 a.m. because I just couldn't sleep and I was up and I was jazzed. And it was like still dewy and humid because it was September in the South. And it's just, it was a really comforting experience to be like, okay, I don't, yeah. Like everything else is kind of crazy right now, but like I'm here, I'm in a comfortable chair, smoking a cigar that I love, you know, we have chosen to do this together and like, it's just, yeah. So it was kind of like that pivotal moment for me when I was like, okay, it's good. It's going to be okay.
0: (laughs) This, this topic is, is probably best reserved for the next time we that we meet. But I, I um I think you know from from an from afar and from the very subtle this subtle and small amounts that we've talked about at Laura, I, I think that you and, and I i think that you have a, this this wonderful relationship with you and your husband where it's like he, he seems very he, it sounds like you're very supportive of him. It seems like he's very supportive of you. And um for
1: sure. Not, but, I don't think like a lot of relationships could withstand, you know, the job I do.
0: But what I love about, again, from afar, from what I can tell, is I love that you guys still do, and, and this is where I'm a little envious, too, because, like, even through COVID, like, we were still doing so much balancing act with our kids and everything like that. We we didn't get as much time, as shocking as this sounds, we still didn't get as much time together, and it seems like you guys do a lot together. And enjoy a lot together and then enjoy stuff apart too. And and it just it just seems like you guys have a very beautiful relationship.
1: Well, thank you. I mean, you know, we try, obviously, every relationship, you know, <laughs> has their ups and boat. downs. I'm sure yeah, he, he gets on, I'm sure
0: he gets on your nerves. So
1: <laughs> well, we're so used to the travel schedule when I'm home for like two weeks in a row. It's like, I got shit to do in the garage. When are you leaving? <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, we we really try to spend quality time together and I think part of it is just you know one of us has been on the road for the last seven years you know he had a sales job before I took the job with macnudo and then you know now the job with AJ still has me traveling um, to a slightly lesser degree which is nice um, but so it's when when we are together it's like okay we're trying to make the time meaningful and you know you can you can exist but still do separate things I mean you might have picked up on this but I'm, I'm an avid reader I love reading it as does he and so I mean even this afternoon he's like oh I have this library book that's being pulled off my Kindle tonight because it's about to expire. You know, can we read this afternoon? I'm like, hell yeah. So we're just sitting on the couch, you know, smoking hookah, reading a book next to each other. So even if you're not always like conversating or, you know, spending every little minute, you know, focusing on each other, it's still nice to just exist in the same room.
0: We had this moment it was back in October. We, uh, my wife put together this, like I said, we've been in this house for about a year and she put, we have an upstairs balcony that she put together a little seating area and she doesn't smoke cigars, and uh, but like we just had this really great moment in October. It was a beautiful night, and we were just talking about different things, our kids, other stuff, and like I was smoking a cigar, and it was just it. Was, oh, it one of my favorite memories in this house so far. Loved it. Loved every That's second cool. of it. So very cool. That was our asylum moment. Refuge is more than just a physical place. It can be a state of mind. Some of life's greatest reflections can be found in our own personal asylum. Moments like these were made for asylum cigars. So light up an asylum and choose your refuge. The time has come, Laurel, is the last question of the night. And okay. it's a, it's a doozy. It's our curveball segment. Okay. Which is always brought to you by uh Dunbar and Tobacco and Trust. Fastballs or curveballs? Doesn't matter. Since the company's inception, Steve Saka has been knocking them out of the park, counting them up. It's eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. Congratulations to our friend, Mr. Steve Saka. So, um, if you remember, I asked you a question before the show went live because I wanted to make sure this wasn't going to step yes, on any yes. toes. <laughs> so this was going to come up. So here it is. So you've spent 12 years in the industry now, and you've had many great partners, uh, colleagues, mentors, I'm sure. So uh, if you could choose anyone in the cigar industry to walk you down the aisle of your wedding, and if your father couldn't do it, but it was someone in the industry, who would it be?
1: Hmm. This is a hard one because my my first two thoughts were Ricky and Sean. Um, you got two you arms. Know, yeah, I do have two arms. I do have two arms. You know, Ricky early on when I started at General was very supportive. sorry about Rick Rodriguez. Yeah, sorry, Rick okay. Rodriguez. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, he was very supportive of my career early on, and he really championed me. To the company, and I felt like he was instrumental in you know me being where I am today, just with all of his support. And you know, regardless of you know him starting his own company and then leaving General, and um, you know, obviously we're not having as much communication as we used to, but he's always just been. I guess I want to, I don't want to say like close a mentor, but like the closest to a a mentor I would have. And he's always just been so kind and supportive. Um, And, and, you know, Sean, he's just, he's just great. I mean, I told you before the show, uh, you know, uh, calling, calling his friend Don um, over at AJ and, you know, offering his, his support and his threats, Um, (laughs) you know, and he, he, he too has always just been really, just kind and supportive of them there. And you know, the three of us, when we were at general, we kind of leaned on each other, um, mm-hmm. because we were always off on our own little Island and just had this unique position that kind of fell through the cracks of like sales and marketing and PR and whatever else. So it was always like us. And then, um, our, our events guy, Gary too. Um, so yeah, I, I guess I would have to say like work your Sean,
0: but that would be like a great, like movie that you guys could put together the three of y'all even add Justin in there for a fourth wheel right but like i'm sure you guys had some great experiences and stuff so that'd be really cool
1: yeah and the great thing about the scar industry is it's small and we're still going to see each other and everything but you know it's it's hard when you leave your people um but everyone is just so great and supportive and you can't get rid of them if you tried to so they're always still going to be around
0: (laughs) yeah When. uh When you told me that you were uh, you were leaving your position at STG, and I was like, I had this like, you know, this feeling in the pit of my stomach. I was like, and then you quickly was like, I'm staying in the industry. I was like, Oh, thank God.
1: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that you felt that way about me.
0: So um, no, I just think that you've done an incredible job uh, where you were at, and I'm excited. Like I mentioned before, I'm really excited about your future with AJ Fernandez, and um, I just think you bring a lot to the industry. So it was it was really exciting to hear that you that you. You know, loved your home here in this industry and, and decided to continue your career, which is great. Um, but that was our curveball segment of uh, fastballs or curveballs. doesn't matter since the company's inception. Steve Saka has been knocking them out of the park. Yep. Count them up eight consecutive years in the consensus top three. So congratulations to our good friend, Mr. Steve Saka. And congrats to, to Ricky and Sean that uh, Laurel called you in that kind of higher degree that, uh, you know, if her father wasn't around, she did it. had to do it all over again be walking her down the aisle so that's pretty cool so
1: yeah you can't manufacture people as good as them
0: <laughs> that's awesome well laurel thank you so much for your time today uh i know we um can't believe uh, i looked at the clock like you said the time goes fast you said this at the top of the show. <laughs> it's uh now uh, over, uh past midnight so it is monday morning uh here central time are you it's national Nash- i can't i could never remember it's yeah Nash- we're in central okay so we're, we're, we're at the same time so i didn't keep you up super super late but still late enough um i know you have to work it's not past my
1: bedtime yet
0: (laughs) okay good good deal thank you so much for your time tonight and thank you to our audience for sharing these moments as well we really do appreciate it Uh, as always you can check out our show every sunday night on our facebook page alos fumar if you are on youtube you can check out our channel alos fumar as well hit the subscribe button when you are on there If you're listening to us later wherever you listen to podcasts whether that be on apple podcast spotify google play podbean or wherever you listen to podcasts be sure you download subscribe and review if you are a subscriber do me a favor hit the word unsubscribe but don't forget to hit resubscribe because that really helps my numbers and helps me to get great guests and back and like laurel for instance uh so can't wait to have you back on the show laurel i'm really excited to see what you do with aj fernandez in
1: like a year yeah sounds good it's gonna be it's gonna be
0: awesome uh, looking forward to it. do you, uh, I know this decision isn't your I know he missed last year's trade show do you guys think you'll be at this year's PCA trade show or not
1: I'm not sure at this point probably not but you know we're kind of looking at it so mm-hmm. I, I I don't have a solid answer for you
0: no problem I hope to see you there if you are there if uh, I know I will see you there if you are there but uh, if not uh, we'll definitely catch up uh, in a few months so thank you so much uh, to you laurel thank you to our audience as well thank you. So for everyone out there, I'm Barry Duplicy, live from the Alec Bradley Lone Star Studios of Azle, Texas. She's Laurel Tilly. Guess what, everybody? We'll see you next time.